Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going? We're not in hot boxes this week. Yay! Yay! The, I feel kind of, I don't feel like we should say that considering the sweeping fires across the West Coast right now. Right. I mean, I haven't really been able to go outside since I got back. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, it was like, woohoo, Midwest! I only have to worry about tornadoes. <laughs> have you been getting tornado warnings? No, 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 no. But oh, I'm okay. saying flooding and horrible hurricanes. Right. Insane wildfires, and today yeah. an earthquake in Mexico City. Yeah. Like, but we're not supposed to. Now is not the time to talk about climate change, Noel. According well, to our head of the EPA. To be fair, I don't think earthquakes have much to do with climate change. Everything else, though, yes. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like. But on the flip side, I mean, this sounds like a really good time to talk about gun control, then. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or just anything. That's just, you know, that's if we could actually talk and like have things happen and get done, that would be nice. Maybe let's get that act, you know, if we're not going to do climate change, let's at least get the dream act through. But um, anyways, that's a conversation for another time. Um, We have our yearly Make You watch a this week, Woo! delayed from last week, but still uh, going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Noel. Uh, Kate is so excited to discuss what I picked for her. <laughs> She's so excited. Well, for people who don't know, what is the Make You watch a Right. So the Make You watch a is where we each make someone, we each make the other person watch a show that is significant to us in some way or important in some way that the other person has not watched. So this year I made Kate watch uh, only the first season because it's a much it's a very long show, but <laughs> only the first season of Sailor Moon. So episodes one through 46, though she didn't watch all of those because that's just crazy talk. Uh, but what did episodes. you make me watch? I, I had you watch Catastrophe on uh, on Amazon, which is a significantly shorter show than what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But that's not like, you know, the 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 term the determining factor is not how much the person has to watch the determining factor is this is a show that i want them to watch and once a year you we do actually get to say no you have you have to watch that because we're both very busy people we try to watch stuff the other person is interested in yes there's only so much time um so so this is why this is why it's a decision that is not lightly made it's a fraught like month or two leading up trying to decide what we're gonna do i went through like three shows for you this year yeah no i, yeah. I cycled through several um yeah. and it was just it, it just kept coming back to different like of yeah i could make him watch outlander but then i would be making him watch that episode and that's just like i don't i think that's just mean or i could make him you know like these different things so th- this is to celebrate the anniversary of the podcast we are heading into the seventh year of the televerse um so it's that's gonna be coming at the end of the show uh it's gonna be super duper fun but also to to celebrate our anniversary (laughs) episode here we could be talking about new announcements from klaxicon which continues to look like 
amazing next for next year, guys. The like the cast list is terrific. Like the cast list, the the the, the guest list that they yeah. keep announcing. Um, I, I'm hoping for more queer filmmakers and and people in production and everything. But if your thing is actors, they've got so yeah. many great, uh, terrific uh, actresses uh, who've played women who love women um, prominently on TV previously and currently. So uh, and and one year, uh, one day at a time production is is gone like the 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 creators and producers and um they've got the winona erp uh ladies back as well there's just a bunch of really great guests there we could talk about that but we're not gonna no instead we're gonna talk about the arrows wanting to do a black lives matter episode which so cute so cute and terrible isn't that precious that they think they're i mean like i i i commend them for wanting to do it i don't even commend them for that but that's that's i I, yeah but like (laughs) Know your know your gear. It's like I yes. like that they did the gun control episode last year. I I thought that was commendable, but even mm-hmm. it, we both agree you were. I was much kinder to it than you were. You were so much kinder to it. But like it, just this idea of like, yay, you care about social issues, and that actually connects back to the the comic origins of the Arrow, and that, you know that's great. Maybe bring in some different writers and directors if you really think you want you think you're gonna do better than the Good Wife and Unreal and these other well intentioned but very white shows taking right. on Black Lives Matter. Just don't just don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. I mean Arrow already has sugar. enough of an issue doing race as yeah. it is. Yeah. Let alone as we were discussing like white ladies in general, but race is particularly bad on arrow. Just they've never talked about the fact that Oliver's whole idea of running from Arrow was to gentrify things. And it's just like, that's not a good campaign platform. Anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just like, yeah, we're going to do this. And I just went, Oh, but a much better show than you couldn't do this. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm talking about the good wife. I'm not talking about unreal. Cause that second season sort of made yeah. it really clear, but I'm talking about the good wife. And mm-hmm. so yeah, arrows doing this, but I'm still going to end up probably watching it, but because Michael Emerson's going to be on next season, I'm very angry about that still. <laughs> you know what that means? Just count, look at your watch until Carrie Preston shows up. I'm just saying, I want oh. Carrie Preston to play a multi-episode villain. I feel like she would be amazing on that show. Oh, that would make me so happy. Anyways, but anyway. we could talk more about that, but we're not gonna. Because it's time for the long-awaited yes. MCU debate. Uh, yes. So back in the middle of the summer, yeah. Noel, Noel and I uh, started trading some barbs over the Marvel Cinematic Universe. How do you want to do it? Count backwards up our lists? Or just generally start with, you're a crazy person for thinking Ultron is better than avengers well let's go down the list and so we'll start from like worst to best and we'll kind of work our way through it um acknowledging the fact that our lists will probably be vaguely similar at like maybe the middle i feel like probably (laughs) we'll Um, see i'm very intrigued right because i think one of the things and this was pointed out to us while we were um discussing this on twitter is that they make a lot of movies that are good mm-hmm. and it's sort of hard to like differentiate them in terms of quality sometimes just because they've got the system down so pat now yeah so we'll see how this goes yeah i'm see very i'm goes. very interested i feel strongly about some of them yeah but and not strongly about others and others right. are in tied in my mind yeah and i think that's really fair yeah so we are talking about like 18 movies 
The only one I haven't seen is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. I just, I knew I probably would not enjoy it, so I didn't watch it. So I have not watched that one. So I have 16, you have 15. 15. Okay, and I'm looking forward very much to Thor Ragnarok. um, Yes. Despite the fact that Thor The Dark World is last on my list and the reason it is last on my list it is not the worst film but i started forgetting it again like 10 minutes after i finished watching it i had a delightful time watching it because friends of the show caroline Sita and allison shoemaker came over to watch it with me um that like all the thors we did a thor a thon uh uh-huh. thank you if you're listening friends of the show uh but so we actually had a, I had a much better time watching it the second time but it's completely forgettable it is my last is my number 16 then my number 15 sir mm-hmm. is age of ultron it's that bad okay what's I'm your laughing. number 15 all right so my number 15 is dr strange um which is a movie i just find regrettably boring uh in the same way that you find thor dark world uh immediately forgettable i find i don't remember what happened in dr strange at (laughs) all um all i remember is cumberbatch's really terrible accent um (laughs) and tilda swinton's good performance but dreadfully miscast because no yeah and then that's about all i really remember from that movie aside the one glimmer of things the one good thing i remember from that movie is when mads mickelson is in that magical straitjacket and he looks so comfortable and at, <laughs> it's at like home, and? It, yeah he looks at home in that jacket and i just went oh you 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 were just you were still doing Hannibal, I think, maybe at this point, and you were used to this kind of weird thing, and it was just like that I understand. But the rest of it, it's just dreadfully boring, and I don't remember anything that happens, and I felt really bad for Rachel McAdams. Yeah, it's it's much higher on my list, but that's because of the visual elements. So we'll I'll talk yeah. about that when we get to it. Um, yeah. Briefly, I know this is much higher on your list, but Age of Ultron is second to last because it's terrible sure. with its gender stuff. Yes. It's terrible with its plotting. It's terrible with a bunch of its extra CGI and like how that affects the pacing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just they should have just cut so much. It's way too long. Um, and at the end, when it's just a bunch of robots punching each other and there's an endless, an endless stream of robots and all. How did he have that time? How did Ultron have enough time to build an endless? He had to mine an endless amount of steel or, and other metals to then create the machines to forge all of these and cr- create all of these robots. I don't know how he has endless robots, but he does. But you know what happens when you make any enemy an endless supply? They're immediately not interesting because we know our heroes aren't going to die. So if there's a set, if there's a finite number of villains, you know, then you can actually have a battle and count them down and see how it's going and it could be close. But when it's an endless stream, it becomes meaningless. I look forward to hearing you defend your position on this one when it's ah, higher ah. on your list. Okay, next I have Iron Man 2. So it's right, very, is, very this low. This is after my Doctor Strange, so this, yeah. Yeah, this is my number 14. The reason it's so low, there's some really good stuff and some really bad stuff. Yeah, and I mean, the good stuff is basically Sam Rockwell's performance is just delightfully weird, <laughs> and it has really no business being in this movie, but it's really good. Yeah. But um, everything else is just really bad, and it's also a victim of the fact that it's they rushed a sequel that they didn't have any room to t- They didn't have a new story to tell no. for Tony, and it's just a mess. They so. want to do the addiction stuff. And yeah, they toy with they it, can't. and that's the good. That's the good part of it. Like, there's good ideas there, but uh-huh. they 
they just they instead yeah. just plant the camera on Scarlett Johansson's butt because that's yeah. what we need to do. Um, next, uh, what's your next? Uh, so after Iron Man 2, I have Dark World, um, okay. which is perfectly fine. It's very efficient, I think, is the mm. thing about it. Even if the story is not particularly good, it's efficient at what it's doing. And it's 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 funner than, yeah, it's fun-ish. It's, it's just not particularly entertaining. Yeah. Okay. I have Thor next. It's a mess. Okay. It doesn't know what movie it wants to be. And each of the movies it could have been would have been very, I think, solid and good. But it's mm-hmm. at least two different movies smashed together. And I don't think that works all that great. But it's at least it's, you know, it's interesting. And there's some really fun moments. The performances yeah. are good. Yeah, and Thor is a little bit more in the middle of the pack for me. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Who's yeah. next for you? Uh, I've got The Incredible Hulk um, next. That's my next one. Better and than I, I think- remembered. <laughs> It is a better than you remember, but B, it's also just super fascinating because it doesn't feel like a Marvel movie at all. Mm -hmm. And it's that I think is the kind of the reason why I was watching it and going, this this just feels like a random action movie that happens to have a big green guy in it. Yeah. And everything else about it does not feel like Marvel. It doesn't even feel like Iron Man, really. Mm -hmm. And it's it's sort of just a weird duck of a movie. And but I still love it for like William Hurt is really good in this movie. And uh, so is Tim Roth, even if none of it makes sense. And I'm just sad that we will never, ever get to see um, what's his name? Uh, William Blake Nelson's thinker, because Mm -hmm. that would have was going to be so good. Uh, but we're never going to get to see that. And that makes me sad. <laughs> it's like the start of a good movie. And then the yes. whole end is just bad. The fight yeah. and everything. The, it's just like the they break their Hulk's own rules. Yeah. Hulk didn't speak for the rest of the movie. And then the end, he's like doing lengthy sentences so they can do a one liner. No. Mm-hmm. Bad movie. OK, what's yeah. your next one? Uh, so this is Gardens of the Galaxy. And okay. um, this is a movie that I just I didn't think I was going to like, and then I went to go see it in theaters and went, oh, yeah, I didn't like this. It's just, it's aggressively please like me, mm-hmm. and a lot of it's, like, execution, and I just was very turned off by all of that, even if I could sort of semi-appreciate what it was doing. But, yeah. Okay. Not, not, I know a lot of people love this movie. I do not. It's, it's uh, what about you? for me. What's, yeah. I've got Civil War next, because, okay. again, yeah. too long. Uh, yeah. Some good stuff in there. It's fun. It And all of these play way better at home on your TV than they do in the theaters. Like, with yeah. a couple exceptions, way better when you can pause and go to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> so I had more fun with it this time, mm-hmm. but, like, it just... Again, the good stuff is good, but there's way too much going on. They needed to just edit, and it's not a movie for its own sake. It's a movie for the sake of building the, the universe and that. Like, just cut out everything with Spider-Man. Yeah, it's cool. Like, it's fun, but just that shouldn't have been in there if the, yeah. it was actually about Captain America. Okay, what's your next one? My next one is the one everyone loves and I just uh, get aggressively bored by um, is The Avengers. Um <laughs> which is really great up until Hawkeye and everyone like launched their attack on the uh, helicarrier. And then I just check out immediately after that happens. Cause everything up to that point is really fun, interesting bickering and character stuff. And then it's just wall to wall action. And I just fall asleep. Okay. That's fine. I just, I yeah. strongly disagree. We'll get to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next I have Ant-Man. Okay. 
you know, not as interesting as it should have been, but there's, but there's some, again, some interesting visuals. There's some, there's some fun elements to it. Paul Rudd is a nice, uh, brings nice energy to his Mm -hmm. role. Uh, I was glad to see Evangeline Lilly back and I look forward to her getting actually anything to play. Yeah. She's definitely underserved there, but I think she'll be good in the Wasp. So we'll, well, we'll see. And the, the, the CGI, like it goes up above uh, Captain America's award just for the de-aging and, and the aging makeup and CGI. <laughs> just so How amazing. How did they do that to Michael Douglas? Ah, it's amazing. Okay, next. We're running long. We got to go. Yeah. We got to move. Right. So I've got Thor after Avengers for me. Okay. Um, and I don't disagree with anything that you said. I just, the performances really carry that movie for me. Um, so that's why it's in the middle of my pack. And then I've got Ant-Man after that. So just go ahead. Okay. Doctor Strange. I liked way more than you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also, the the thing for me is like the reason it, it had the potential to be so good. And then they totally waste Mass Mickelson. Yeah. How, like Tilda Swindon and Mass Mickelson in the same movie. Yes perfect playing like these otherworldly beings with cosmic oh my god perfect and then yeah. you don't get like the script is so bad there's so nothing bad. they there's waste nothing so there. many terrific actors i don't care about benedict cumberbatch just let me see the movie with tilda swindon and mass mickelson please and you can throw Judah and edge of four in there as he can be the new guy you know like yeah. Oh, it would be such a better movie. Anyways, the but for me, like the the fights and the the up the walls and everything, especially watching a bunch of these all in a row, that the Doctor Strange went up several notches yeah. uh, on the on the rewatch because of the visual element. Um, yeah, definitely. Okay, so top eight is where I'm at. I've got Ant Man, which we've already discussed. So next is uh, Ultron. Ultron. Okay. Well, <laughs> I've got Guardians Volume Two. Yeah. Next, which. Yeah, it's fine. It has different strengths and weaknesses from one, but I feel like they kind of balance each other out. Um, let's yeah, talk... so this is my seventh, yeah. That's your seventh? Okay, so for Guardians 2, I'll just say uh, there the there's more of... There's more good stuff with the, the ensemble, but the overall structure is too long, it's a little baggy, and um, they go to the well a bit too much. There's a little bit of sense of try-hard for me with two that I didn't feel personally as much in one. Uh, Talk to me about Ultron. So I agree with you about the gender politics. I agree with you about the fact that it's probably a little too long. Um, I don't really care about the fact that he has unlimited robots. Um, I care so much about that. (laughs) It doesn't bother me at all because it's just like, he's got a whole like mind thing down there that he can use from the Chitauri thing. So it's just like, whatever. Um, It's just like, who cares? Um, so it's just like, and I don't even mind the CGI stuff that much because it feels like aggressively comic booky, and I really like that, um, in the movie. Um, so, but I just, I, I like the larger, like, ramifications that this ends up having, the Sokovia Accords and Civil War, and then just, I also just really, really enjoy James Spader's performance as Ultron, which I think is really delicious and a lot of fun. Um, but there are still, like, other things in it that are just particularly not good i don't like the vision not the vision i like the vision paul bettany is very good in this but i the vision stuff that they have the nightmare stuff that they go through is just like really forced and silly Mm -hmm. and especially in thor's case it just it's pathetic poor Mm -hmm. thor Um, but i don't care because it gave us peggy and cap again and as soon as they walk on screen you're like 
How have you failed to make a single other couple anywhere near as compelling, Marvel? Shame on you. And it's all because of, let's be honest, it's all Haley Atwell. That's all that is. Um, So, no, I really, I think Ultron's a lot of fun, and I still really enjoy large amounts of elements of it, including, like, that chase through Korea, I think is really fantastic. Um, So I like all the action sequences and everything in it as well. And, yeah, so it's just, it's a very silly, dumb movie, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, and the action sequences in Avengers are so much better. The action sequences in Ultron are, di- are they're not good. They're not interesting. They're not good. Oh man, we're just like I I know we watched the same movies. We did. We did. And I don't like but I I feel like we didn't. I yeah. mean Ultron has movable metal lips. They like change shape and purse and then he has joints if you have fluid movable metal on your face why do you have ball joints for your wrists because you have magic on your face it's stupid it doesn't make sense ah okay sorry i'm getting carried away thank you for Uh, letting me yell at you you're welcome what's your next one uh next one i have is guardians so that's the top you know top six um and for me that opening is the best opening of any of the Marvel movies mm-hmm. um, with the, the mom in the hospital over to the, the wordless credit sequence. It just is such a fresh, a, a burst of fresh air in this very stale, like formula that they add that certainly by the time that this one came out, that they'd established yeah. uh, and, there, and the, for me, it's not higher because I think that the ending doesn't work as well as Many others think it does. But um, the dance-off distraction, I love. And just like... That was like the that was like the button on the... That was like the button on the whole, please stop trying to make you like... Please stop trying to make me like you. Yeah. No, I, 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 I disagree. Um, but that's okay. Because uh, I don't... I feel like it, just, it was just something different. Because he doesn't save the day. Yeah. Yeah, he does with the Infinity Stone. But like, Lee Pace isn't a good villain. Uh, no, in this like and it's not necessarily his his fault i don't know whose no. fault it is it's a combination of factors mostly the writing um but i really care about a r- raccoon in a tree so good job good job team go team <laughs> for that and um just the like there, there's so much just noise in it but for me, it's one of the tighter structured ones, especially mm-hmm. compared to some of the other like set piece after set piece. Like there's a clear progression as you go along. Yeah. Um, I think that you don't need there's like you could have cut out at least one of the, the action set pieces in this one. And certainly that's the case in two. Yeah. Um, but it's nowhere near as bad for me as, as Ultron for that or Civil War. Uh, so that's why I have it just outside of my my top. Actually, guys, I'm on seven. So it's just outside, it's just outside of the top five. OK, mm-hmm. what do you have next? I've got Iron Man 3 next, which I feel like should be really close for you at this point. It's a couple. I've got a couple away. Okay. Yeah. No. So I, I, this is just, this is also just a really fun movie. Um, I enjoy the performances, especially anything with Robert Downey Jr. and a small child is just gold. Um, So, but we'll get, we'll circle back when we get to yours. Uh, What's next? Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. Yeah. No, that's close enough on mine uh, that we can, we'll just go ahead and discuss it. It's so fun. It's very fun. Yeah. And it, the again, the ones that have a distinct tone are the mm-hmm. best ones. And yes. and and actually in high school, Peter is huge for that. And and all yeah. of the like the the performances of the teachers mm-hmm. and stuff being I'm around kids a lot, I'm around teachers a lot. Yeah. There's an authenticity here. Yes. 
Uh, like the sitting in the room playing with the Legos. That's like, that's great. Um, I don't know. There's again, the, some people I saw complaints that it was too, uh, disinterested in its supporting cast, even MJ, but I loved that it did focus in on like two, three characters. Also, it's got a terrific villain. Michael Keaton is one of the best villains. One of the most memorable. Yeah. And he actually has like something that fits and it's not like a big massive world domination type of thing Mm -hmm. it's just i'm tired of these guys these big guys not paying attention to us and Mm -hmm. ignoring us and so i'm gonna i'm gonna get what's mine and it's it's all built in to larger things that deal that you actually start feeling reverberations from the the movies shared universe in this movie in a way that you normally don't get to feel in some of the other ones which is really nice yeah. No, the 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 small scale villains make mm-hmm. for most of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that car scene. It's one of the best scenes <laughs> in, in the MCU. Yeah, no, it's really good. And but I mean, the only thing I have against it is that they still found a way to have a climactic battle in the sky. I'm so tired of Marvel, Marvel just having all their climactic battles in the sky. That's Fight true. on the ground, everyone. Just once, please. Okay. Just once. So my next one is Iron Man 3. Okay. Um, which is not higher because they have a punching problem. Yes. Um, in the Iron Man movies, just people in suits punching each other, which makes for very boring villains. Yeah. Uh, and there's way too many suits at the end. But mm-hmm. it shot up my rankings when I rewatched because the ending didn't bother me as much on rewatch. Yeah. yeah. I was very surprised by that. And the character stuff is overall very good. And mm-hmm. the reason that this one is so successful is like Iron, the first Iron Man, which neither of us have mentioned yet because it's higher on our list. Yeah. Uh, this is a Tony Stark movie. Yes. And that is what is interesting. Yeah. I am not interested in an Iron Man movie. Yeah. And then, I mean, for me also, there's just their delightful sort of what they do with the Mandarin and Ben Kingsley. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's so good, and I, I I love that it upset people because it's just like there was no way to do this character in a way that wasn't terrible, everyone. Mm-hmm. So turning it into this conflict, this whole confluence of American anxieties is yeah. so smart and so delicious, and yeah. building it into this whole military-industrial complex exploration throughout the rest of the movie, which needed more room to breathe and uh, would have allowed Guy Pierce to do shit which would have been nice mm-hmm. um but it's still just really it's sharp it's very very sharp yeah anything yeah. else on iron man 3 nope 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 okay so now i that was iron man 3 is my number five yeah so iron man 3 was my number six spider-man homecoming was my number four which means my number five is captain america civil war um and everything you said what yeah. everything you said is completely accurate but i'm just knee deep in the whole but but i like you more than he does sort of like tony steve stuff and then all the stuff with bucky no i very much approached it from a shipping perspective <laughs> and um so no i really i really like the camaraderie especially that's displayed on steve's team mm-hmm. and so i really enjoy all of those elements and um but i also i don't think zemo gets enough credit um, cause I think Zemo's a really good villain that the movie even is sort of afraid to totally address. 
And I like the end with Zemo of going like, no, I, I totally won. <laughs> <laughs> you guys just haven't realized it yet. Yeah. And that's that makes me eager because I really love Zemo in the comics. So I was really interested to see what they did with him here. And I really enjoyed and appreciated how he was just a manipulator in this, which is what Zemo really is in the comics. Um, so yeah, I, I, Civil War, I really appreciate, even if I don't really like some of the stuff that they do and yeah, they don't need Spider-Man and they really needed less Tony Stark in it. And it should have been a little more focused on Bucky and Steve. Um, but I still, I still really like this movie a great deal. Is there a bigger discrepancy in love interests than Cap and, and, uh, and Peggy and Cap and Peggy's niece? Because like... There's like, don't get me wrong. I have nothing. I, I appreciate both actors, but there's no chemistry there at all. They start sucking yeah. face and I'm like, Wh what? Yeah, oh, no, it's out of nowhere. And it doesn't make any sense. And I love how and they're cheering in the car. And I'm like, why are you invested? <laughs> I like that Haley Atwell is very much opposed to it as well. <laughs> yeah, oh, that was great. That was great. Which makes me happy. OK, my number four is Captain America First Avenger. OK. Uh, it's my number two, so we can just go ahead and dig okay, in. No, let, let, let's, let's talk about when we get okay. to your number two. What's your okay. number three? My number three is Iron Man. My uh, number three is Iron Man. Hey, Look at that. Dad, we're going to agree. <laughs> um, no, this is, it's very much the one that started it all, um, but it's also just it sets a template for everything else in a lot of ways from we're going to have a very established older actor come in, yeah. uh, this case, Jeff Bridges. And this is something that they've continued for practically every movie, yeah. uh, which is a little weird, but okay guys. And, but it's, it, it establishes a tone and it was really fresh at the time. And I still think it feels pretty fresh now. And that's like 10 yeah. years later. So that's saying a whole lot. I saw Iron Man in the theaters, I think, five times because I kept going with other people who hadn't seen it yet. Oh, OK. I was like, OK, I was no. I was hoping that was the qualifier. <laughs> yeah, well, because like I really liked it, but also because yeah. I was like, no, you should see this movie. It's very good. Like, yeah. let, let's go see this movie, which is the yeah. same reason I saw Pirates of the Caribbean like five times. Mm -hmm. And I saw I was not allowed to see it more than that because I saw Serenity six times and that has my record. And I feel like, okay. you know, yeah. despite my Whedon problems, I can't really like let anything else top that for me um mm. also it's just kind of shameful at a certain point you know this wow. is when i was in college i had more time um but the it absolutely holds up i hadn't seen it since it was in in theaters and yeah. rewatching it the like you're like oh they're so young which is yeah. funny they're um, all babies which is the, a weird thing to think about <laughs> it is a weird thing to think about um the the pacing of it the opening is is great it's like it's so much fresher than everything that came later. And granted that's because it was the first one, but it's also because they weren't trying to also juggle three other movies. They wanted to introduce the characters in this movie. So then you'd go see the sequel, like that. So many of these later films are completely just, they don't work. The, the, the my top picks all here are ones that pare down their characters that have fewer tie-ins that have fewer, uh, just, product placement basically of yeah. their other heroes um iron man has really good lead donnie jr is terrific and throughout um stain works better than i remembered yeah. it's the weak point the ending is the weak point yes. but 
Gwen Paltrow gets nothing, and yet she and Tony work so well together. They're very good together. Um, they're the only other interesting pairing that have like the only other pairing that have any chemistry in the MCU, uh, other than Peggy and uh, and Cap. Um, and it is again, it's a movie about a person going on a distinct emotional and psychological journey. There aren't many of these that are actually about that, so yeah. um, that's why it's so high for me. Yeah, and no, I agree, and yeah, yeah, especially the personal distinct journey, which comes into like my top two. Mm-hmm. So yeah, okay. So your number two is is Captain America: First Avenger. Yeah, let's yeah, talk about so, that one. That's my number four. Right. No, I mean, if only for the USO number alone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's so delicious. But no, this is also one of those like personal journey type stuff that I really enjoy, and. The other reason why this is high for me and the other reason why or number one, I'm assuming, and but also like Homecoming works as well as it does, is that these are movies that are superhero movies operating in a particular genre, which outside of the superhero genre. Mm -hmm. And so we get a war movie and we get everything that's a war movie in this. We get a ragtag team. We get a USO number. We get basic training. And then we get elements of like mad scientists and just all this sort of really neat stuff. And then, but we still have a really strong core performance that I don't think any of us really expected Chris Evans to deliver when he I was did. announced. Oh, well, there you go. See? I saw him in Sunshine. I was like, oh, he's going to oh, be good. Okay, right. He is really good in Sunshine. And but no, I was it's... also one of like the five people, as soon as they announced Robert Downey Jr., I was like, that's perfect casting. No, that was really good casting. <laughs> but so, yeah, no, it's certainly, yeah. most people hadn't seen Sunshine. Nobody saw Sunshine. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, everyone just went, oh, Human Torch. He's not good in those movies. <laughs> um, no one is. Yeah. Um, so, so there's just a lot of really good things happening in this movie and Joe Johnston's direction is really unobtrusive. It's a, it flows really, really nicely and Hugo Weaving's having a ball and yeah. that's always fun. So yeah, first Avengers is just a, it's just a lot of fun. And I really, I just, I could, I can always watch that one. Bar See, none. Yeah. The secret MVPs, not so secret MVPs of this, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Stanley Tucci. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah, they do so much to ground, and they're much better in those roles than yep. in the let's get a distinguished uh, older actor to be our villain. Like, yeah, we, that is also Hugo Weaving. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but it works much better having those familiar faces in this case be on you know the the person who dies yeah. <laughs> there's always the one who dies right and and it motivates everything and then and then our skeptical like he's this perfect casting for Tommy Lee Jones like they couldn't have gotten anybody who would have been better in that no than him absolutely not like a lot of people could have done it but he was, yeah. he was terrific and the other thing I'll say with with Captain America like I absolutely agree about Chris Evans I think that's such a that's such a difficult character Yes. Like, we should not care about Cap. He should be cheesy and over the top. There's also all those fun little punch-up lines, which are total Whedon lines. Like, I can swim. Just go get him. <laughs> you know? And, like, yeah. it takes these little left turns that you aren't expecting. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and and it's just, like, really small moments, but it keeps it on its feet. And it keeps it energetic and lively. It also has some of the best. I, I keep coming back to that, but the ones that have the best pacing are the ones that are high on yeah. my list. It, yeah. So it moves. It's not overly it long. Does. It's very uh, light. Yeah. However, I have one criticism. Sure. Yeah. The end should have been the, 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 at the beginning. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> like, it would have been so much more poignant to end on the plane going down. And, like, if you start with, I had a date, mm-hmm. I had to see a girl at a thing, and then you end with, oh, so many more tears. It would have been so much. And you start yeah. with, oh, man, that would have been way, way better than the whole, like, ice thing. So yeah. that docked it a little bit for me. Um, okay, so now we're to top two. I'm just going to go with my number one. My number yeah. one is the Avengers. Yeah. Because... I love it, and it's it is much tighter than than most of the other team up ones. It moves uh, as far as like the, the 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 there's some the opening is terrible, the opening of space is terrible. Uh-huh. But after that, yeah, it's really bad. Like the the characterization of of the of the different adventures as they come in works really well. Kobe Smulders as Maria Hill, like that's again, it's very efficient the way it introduces that base and gets everything moving. Killing off Coulson, even if they undo it, works very effectively, and it it shows us. There's a bit of didactic dialogue there, but it shows us an an important side of Fury, Fury the manipulator, which I always like to see. It uh, the action set pieces for me are are some of the best in the whole thing in the whole MCU. Mm-hmm. And it's because they actually, as a director and as a writer, Whedon understands what you're supposed to do with team ups. And that is you figure out how the different people's abilities can stack and amplify each other. And like, so you're, you have Hulk throwing people around, you have like boosting up on, uh, on, on shield so that uh, black widow can then go fly around. Like it's, it's so fun. It's so light. The awareness of the exploding buildings and the, the presence of uh, first responders on the ground and civilians on the ground. Like these are all things that most of the other MCU movies don't do well or actively do poorly. See Iron Man two, see civil war, see so many of these other ones. Um, so in civil war, there's a woman who sits in her car while Hulk is trying to bash out of his containment thing. Yeah. That, yeah. She sits in her car. She's in there before it goes down. It takes Hulk a while to get out. When he does get out, we're supposed to care that she's imperiled. You should have gotten out of your car, lady. I don't care if you die. That was stupid. That was on you. See, Avengers doesn't make those mistakes. Um, so that's why it's so high for me. And it's it's a lot tight. Like, the, the runtime is shorter. And the characterizations, I think, work really, really well. And there's a charge to seeing those people together for the first time. I just like I seriously don't understand how you think Ultron has better fight sequences than Avengers does. Yeah, no, I just I find the whole hopping around and like I mean to your point about like unlimited robots, there's unlimited aliens. Yeah. Until they close the thing, and it's just like we're I mean what have but why? And I don't care about Chitauri at all. Like it's just so much franchise building, and it's. Yeah. Okay, but okay. So there's unlimited aliens because there's a massive battle fleet in the sky, and the whole thing that they're trying to do is to seal off. Like that's the motivation is they're going to keep coming until we close this, so we have to close this. So that's a a real pressing threat as opposed to like, no, we have unlimited robots, so they're just going to keep coming. But the thing that we're stopping has nothing to do with the robots. Yeah, no. but as soon as they drop, no, I I don't buy it. Just I okay. understand that there's a big like army up there, but it's also just like it's basically the same in principle, and <laughs> that is what my big problem is. Is like it's literally the same in principle, and it's better the first time. <laughs> 
No, okay. it's it's boring the first time too. Okay. Oh, well, okay. Well, then this is we're already super long. So let's talk about your number one and my number two, and that's Winter Soldier. Which oh god, it's so good. And I, I thought it was a little overhyped at first. Mm-hmm. When I rewatched it, it went so much higher on my list. And again, it's not a coincidence that other than the Avengers, all of my favorite ones are the ones that have fewer characters. Yeah. There's like he's on the run. He's got like two people he can right. rely on. Yeah. No, it's delicious. And I mean, it's got conspiracy theory vibes to it. Mm-hmm. It's got terrific, terrific, terrific um, exchanges between Steve and Natasha throughout the entire movie, yep. which are just like solidify this whole tentative friendship that they're both wanting to form with one another. Yeah. Um, and just also, but then there's also the whole aspect of this is what I woke up for type of thing that is just like really propels the movie really forward. And it's just, it gives all of it a lot more of an edge than I think it would, would have if you would basically plug literally any other character into this. Yeah. But when you get a guy who's been frozen for, you know, half a century and he's just like, I didn't, but the, but we, but I won, we won. And it's just like, no, no, sorry. Evil and capitalism. No, not so much. (laughs) So it's, no, it's delicious. And it's a lot of, it's, it's just so good. Um, like in the same way I can watch first Avenger anytime I can watch civil, civil war. I can watch winter soldier anytime of the, any time of day. Well, and the other thing that really pulls down Civil War for me is I don't I don't care about Bucky. I don't at okay. all. Yeah. Um, and so Winter Soldier, he's in there, but just right. barely and as an antagonist, mostly. Yeah. I have a feeling I will care about Bucky more in the next thing they use him for. Right. But I, I really I, they never made me care about mm-hmm. him in Civil War again. Um, and they just ex- assumed we would. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't go well when they do that. Um, but in in Winter Soldier, I mean, I, I, I guess, again, I'm pointing to Chris Evans. I don't think yeah. it's a coincidence that the, the pairings that I am most invested in uh, in the MCU, other than uh, Tony and Pepper, Pepper um, are pretty much all Chris Evans related ones. So right. there's Cap and Peggy. There's Cap and Tasha. There's Cap and Sam. Like these are the ones I care the most about. I would put uh I would put Tasha and uh and Hawkeye in there probably. Sure. Like there's a few other ones, but the there's so much there's a really palpable um earnestness and connection between uh Sam uh between Cap and and any of the people that he's trying to forge a connection with when you see like the way that they build the friendship between those two characters, Tasha and, and cap and uh, then see that fracture. Cause they are very different people. They have yeah. very different priorities, but they just get along. You know, like yeah. they, they do have that stupid, let's have them kiss for no reason. It was horrible. Um, but Mostly, they've done really well with that relationship. But it, 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 but it also got paid off with, was that your first kiss in 60 years? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's still like the way they, the only way they know how to use Tasha is to sexualize her and to make her yeah. a, a love interest. And it's really, really stupid. So get get a female director in there and writers, uh, MC, uh, Marvel, so that, you know, for the, for the Black Widow movie, that's long overdue. 
that'll like, also probably never happen. Let, let's <laughs> let's get some female directors in there because damn. Uh, but but no, again, it the you know using Robert Redford as as the as the villain here. I think that's such yeah. an amazing callback to like all the president's men and all these different parallels like thematically with that film and this one like. There's so much that they do right. There's so much that they do smart. I was rewatching these on DVD at home, uh, mostly while I was like doing other work, all these MCU movies. Um, and this is the one that I kept having to like rewind to rewatch and rewind like, oh, no, I miss I because I, I really, really cared if I missed something. Yes. Um, so so that's why it is not my number two. And that's it probably moved up the most of any of the other ones. Mm hmm. Any overall thoughts? Any other like observations upon pondering other than that they suck at casting love interests and even just general chemistry partners? Yeah, they do. Um, but maybe they'll eventually figure it out. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland just kind of crackle, which is mm -hmm. delightful. Yeah. But uh, I mean, we'll see. I'm, I, 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 I freely admit that um, the fact that they're they've said that at least Gunn has declared that Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will be like their new big important movie for like the rest of the for the next big phases of the franchise just makes me go oh I'm glad I'm only excited about Black Panther at this point um <laughs> you're not excited about Ragnarok no I am excited about Ragnarok I I as I very much am I'm excited about the fact that it's 90 minutes which is just Hulk and Mind Thor blown. equals comedy. Thank you for yeah. finally realizing that. Right. And also for realizing that Chris Hemsworth is really funny. He's very and funny. For leaning into that yeah. uh, is the thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited about both of those, but I'm, I don't, I've never cared about Marvel in space in mm -hmm. comics. And the fact that they're like really going in that direction, even with like Captain Marvel and uh, the scrolls coming up, um, I'm very much like, I, I I love Carol Danvers. I don't love her in space. Mm -hmm. So I'm. It's just like it's. I'm. I'm going to end up be taking like a lot of steps back from uh, the MCU uh, coming up soon because it's just like. But I, I will take back Black Panther, please, and thank you. Yes. Yeah. I just. I. I want. <laughs> so I want good. it. I want it so yeah. bad. <laughs> yeah. Like the 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 main takeaways I had was the relationship thing, which I've said several times now, yeah. but also just how painfully painfully cishead white male all mm. of these movies are like yeah. when you when you watch one every like six months or yeah. to a year you don't notice it as much if you are you know a white person and therefore used to seeing yourself all the time but yeah. when you watch them back to back it's bad dude like every like every person in authority is a white male with a couple exceptions very right. very few exceptions every person who is right and not supposed to be annoying about it is male. Every person who knows best is male. When I say male, I mean white male, other than Sam Jackson, who's not actually in many of these. So it's just it's it just it's bad. And in the the how how bad in general the writing is around Natasha, who is their only significant recurring female character. Um, maybe means that I don't know that I trust them to be doing a lot more not white dudes, but that means they need to, they, the problem isn't that then they need to bring in different people 
because it's a it's a real problem when you start to look at the MCU as a whole. So I'm very glad that they're bringing in back, uh, Black Panther. Uh, he he was terrific. That character was terrific. Way too much material of him because it wasn't his movie in Civil War, but he was really good in it. Um, and just like you know, just the, the given the problems with their casting and uh, with you know, like they they did such a terrific thing with the Mandarin and then to turn around and make Tilda Swinton, you know, like, you yeah. know, as, as that character, like, uh, they aren't learning their lessons. So I, I at least am really gl- grateful for casting like Idris Elba in Thor. It, like there's a couple characters here and there, but mostly they don't get any, any dramatic arc. Right. They don't just get to sit there and be supportive of the white guy. Um, and that's, that's a real problem. So, uh, that's like, the main takeaway was that these work way better on TV at home to the point where almost I'm kind of tempted to just wait, <laughs> watch most of them, sure. except that my, I'm giving my money actively to black Panther. Yeah. Um, so a lot I of these just are better buy than I tickets and just never go. Well, there's that. Yeah. There's that. Just buy the tickets and be like, all right. I, I, yeah. But I'll go once at least, but yeah. And just it keep is, buying tickets. It's sort of exciting to watch them. Um, I watched them like, the three Captain Americas, the three Thors, like that, the three Iron mm-hmm. Men in a row. But I feel like it would be sort of exciting and fun to watch them in order of release and watch the progression of the form. And I'm yeah. curious how that would affect my, my ranking, maybe. But, but that's where I'm at for now. So, top five, one more time. Oh, I closed my list. <laughs> Iron Man 3, First Avenger, Iron Man 1, <laughs> Winter Soldier, and Avengers. I don't know if you can tell. There's a thread there. And it involves the casting, and it involves this narrative structure, and it involves the run times. Yeah. Um, how about, what was yours again? Yeah, Spider-Man so got, was five. I've got, no, I've got Civil War, Spider-Man, Iron Man, First Avenger, Winter Soldier. Yeah. So we're we're more or less on the same page, with a couple yeah. exceptions. I told you. At the top. Yeah. yeah. Not at the bottom, though. That were in the middle. That was interesting. Yeah. Okay. So that was our way too long MCU conversation. This is uh, a TV podcast, so most people have probably skipped right past this. But no, as, let's say... As they probably maybe should have. As they should have. Yeah. Um, but let's go on to now our week in TV. Yes? <laughs> uh, I don't watch any TV this week. I just yeah, watched MCU movies. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. We'll be right back after this. Put on your face. Know your place Shut up and smile Don't spread your legs I could do that But no one knows me No one ever will If I don't say something If I just lie would I be that monster scare them all away if I let them hear all I have to say I can't keep week in tv we're putting them all together because there's some premieres and finales but mostly there's not a lot that we want to dive in with of any length this yeah. week in tv so starting off we had i'm sorry's finale then noel's going to talk about final fantasy 14 dad of light season one 
Uh, I'll talk about the year of the worst premiere. Uh, we'll both talk a little bit of younger. I want to talk a little bit about Lee Remini, Scientology, and the aftermath. Noel watched the season premiere of Cult, American Horror Story Cult. So good on you, sir. I'll talk briefly about the, the season or potentially series finale of Twin Peaks. Noel watched Room 104 and uh, the one week I didn't. Uh, so <laughs> he's going to talk about that one. And then we'll round things out with the bull type finale. So first up, it's so many finales and premieres this week. Um, I'm sorry I had a season finale. This is off the charts. And I thought that it ended the season just in a really consistent manner. Uh, I was a little surprised that this was like their big season finale. It just was like sort of a... And also this episode kind of finale. Uh, right. I thought it was solid, um, not spectacular, but it got. I think it already got renewed, right? I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think so. So I look forward to seeing what happens in season two. I, I I enjoyed my time with. I'm sorry, even if I didn't necessarily laugh out loud that much. Yeah, and I I, I think a lot of this has to boil down to the fact that as we've joked and as many people have joked, we have so many of these shows now Mm -hmm. um, that you really have to work to feel distinct. And I think I'm sorry has elements in which it does feel very distinct, Um, particularly like um, like poor shorts guy. (laughs) (laughs) But also just like um, the in particular for me, I think a lot of like the fact that it was so centered around school and also their marriage, I think really kept me invested in the show. And Tom Everett Scott's very easy, casual performance, I think, um, helped a lot as well. So I, I, I laughed good bits, uh, th- but never like really consistently per episode. Just there'd normally be like one sequence. And this episode is very much within a I didn't really laugh. I think at all during this particular episode for a finale, but it felt very in vogue and in gear with what the show is. And, um, I, I, I can appreciate that impulse to do as opposed to do something big. So it's very good. I'll be eager for a second season, but I also just don't need it right away because better things starts next week. <laughs> like next week. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say that again, I will reiterate that this is the most I've liked Tom Everett Scott in something in a very long time because this is the best cast he's been yeah. for me. Um, so I thought he was very, I thought he was really good here. And I, like it, it's warmed me to his overall presence. Not like I was anti Tom Everett Scott, but I was sort of like, no. but why him and not somebody else? Um, yeah. And so I think after this, I, maybe I get his energy more. So we'll see if that affects my appreciation for his, for his casting and other things. But um, yeah, it, it was really fun. Like the rapport that they developed between Andrea Sandwich and uh, and Tom Everett Scott, so and and the the there's the right amount of adorable and precious five year old. Like there was a good level for that. Not too much. Yeah. Not too little. Um, I still think Racist Daughter is probably their best episode. Yeah, Racist Daughter and Ask Cubes. I think are their two yeah. best episodes. Yeah. Um, okay. Next up is Final Fantasy fourteen Dead of Light. Now I w- was putting this under um uh genre because I assumed that it was a typo and it's was an actual final fantasy thing and you're like oh no no this is comedy what is this there's there's so much like i've missed several streaming shows already this year and this is another one i hadn't even heard of this i hadn't either until um scott uh scott mislo over at gq posted an article about it um like the day i got back from la and uh i had didn't know what this was hadn't heard of it it's a japanese import it is about a young uh 
copy sales representative. Um, he's like in his 20s. He's still living at home. And his father just up and quits his job and retires. And they've had sort of a strained, rela strained relationship. So the son gets in his brain that he's going to, I'm going to befriend my dad in Final Fantasy XIV, which is their MMO. Mm -hmm. And so he gets his dad a PlayStation 4. He gets some Final Fantasy because they actually sort of bonded a little bit over Final Fantasy I all those years ago. And so what ends up happening is his dad gets super into it. And... As he learns a little bit about his dad, he learns valuable lessons that help him at his job. So the show is split between this sort of silly domestic thing and a very broad workplace comedy. Um, and it's it's silly. It's very light. It feels like product placement, even though it's weirdly not. In the, this is actually based on a blog that a, a chronicled someone actually doing this. And the thing, the mildly creepy thing is, is that he never tells his dad that he's friends with him in the game. So it's a weird sort of like catfish sort of situation that happens. Um, he does tell him at the end, but his dad doesn't like register. So like a year goes by and they're just like still playing together. And he doesn't know that his son is this other character in the guild. And so it's very sweet. It's very fun. There's a, a couple of like poignant moments, but there's also just stuff of this is really pat in terms of like the lessons he's learning about how to be better at his job and this sort of stuff. But it's still very sweet. And even if it sometimes also does feel very much like video games aren't all bad, everyone sort of thing. And they're not. But it sort of drives that home a little too hard every now and then. But the, over, the show's overall sweetness and silliness, I think, rises everything, raises everything above where realistically should be. And it's still prone to other elements of um, if you've ever watched a, any sort of um, uh, Japanese uh, live action, uh, especially a sitcom, uh, there's a lot of mugging for the camera sometimes. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it, 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 it fills into the sweetness of the show when he's just sort of like overreacting to his dad being saying that he went out in the game, saying that he went out with his son to drink and it was super boring. <laughs> and his son is looking at his computer screen going boring. And he's just making all these really exaggerated facial expressions, but it's silly and it's just, it's really charming. It's Really, it's only um, seven and a half episodes. The eighth episode sort of half recap, then half of a um, th other thing that happened over the course of this blog. And the other thing I'll mention about the show is that plenty of the show takes place in the game. So if you ever watched um, South Park's World of Warcraft episode where they had a number of things happen in the game, that happens here as well. So, and it, yeah, it's just, it's really charming. It's a easy way to kill a weekend um so if you're interested in this at all or if you play final fantasy 14 you didn't hear about this this is sort of a charming way to re-engage sweet no that sounds yeah. fun and I'll, yeah. I, I, we'll see if i check it out it's, yeah i feel like I, i'll have to check it out but this might be one that that my my parents would appreciate so i'll have to I, i'm always on the lookout for things that i can recommend to them that i like that they might also like because that's yeah, a small venn diagram are they okay with subtitles yeah Yes, they're fine with subtitles. Yeah, then they'll be okay. And the subtitles aren't, like, really intense. Yeah. So in terms of, like, 
people aren't talking on top of each other very often. Okay, cool. Um, You're the Worst came back for season four, um, and the they had a two-episode premiere, which was ter- terrific. It was really great to have the show back. The first episode is, like, all Jimmy. So at the end of the previous season, Noel, uh, Jimmy proposes to Gretchen. Right, I remember, and Gretchen, like, runs, right? No, no, no. no. Jimmy proposes, then runs away in his Oh, car. Jimmy ran away. I knew someone ran away. And leaves her on the hillside. Um, so the first episode is all Jimmy in, like, a trailer park like retirement community and okay. uh just living there and uh he's friends with uh, in my head he's arlo from justified um but uh, uh the actor he's a trivia actor his name escapes me i apologize um but the just kind of being trying to just sit and watch old tv and not doing he's, he's unplugged his phone he's he's like not connected to the internet he's just checked out and uh we just kind of sit with him for the episode he does a little karaoke nice voice um the um you know there's uh, some talk about aging with this you know older man who he's friends with and who doesn't want to give up being able to drive his car even though everybody else in the community thinks it's not safe for him to really drive his car uh and, and this idea of of friendship and community and respecting and identifying those who actually care about you and want to be around you. Um, and it ends the first episode ends with Jimmy turning his phone back on, getting like a bajillion pings on his phone and then going and leaving. And we don't know what he saw or what happened. And then the next episode is all with Gretchen and Lindsay and Edgar because they're back in LA. So um, it's Lindsay <laughs> is now a responsible work job haver person okay (laughs) which is a new look for her and it's terrific and it's so lovely to see Catherine Donahue get to play a different flavor of this character um and Edgar also is in in it briefly but he gets some good stuff to play as well that that actor as well but um uh, Gretchen's not doing too hot uh she hasn't left the apartment since Jimmy abandoned her she's been staying at Lindsay's um and when we see her she's just got some crack Let's smoke some oh. crack. Okay. You know? hey. um, and she's managing to hold down, down her job by pretending to be in, in Paris um, through via Skype conversations. And uh, her clients are stupid enough that that's actually working. Um, okay. So it, it's, uh, it's, it's a strong one-two punch of the show coming back. If you liked the previous seasons, you'll probably also like this. Um, the rhythms of the show are still there despite changing venue for the first episode and not having the full group together for the second. I'm really looking forward to what the rest of the season is going to, you know, going to have, what it's going to bring it together. Um, and again, it's just, I, for these shows that don't necessarily make you laugh out loud all the time, it comes down to how much time do you want to spend with these characters? And, uh, this one certainly makes me laugh out loud a lot more than I'm sorry. Uh, but I really enjoy the dynamics of these characters and i i think i i think it was good to have a little time off for sure. me as terrific as the second season was i think it got a little bogged down or sorry the third season was it got a little bogged down for me um yeah. but yeah. it it has terrific energy right away from the start and i'm really looking forward to what's gonna happen next and, and Lindsay and edgar being the ones that have their lives together this season at least at the start and they comment on that they're like oh my god we're the serious ones now um we're the responsible <laughs> ones um it, it's it changes up the dynamic enough that it's interesting and the self-awareness 
promises that they are going to be um, going interesting places with that and not just doing the old switcheroo by the end of the seasons. Those two have destroyed their lives again and we're back to our norm. You know, like I'm confident that it won't necessarily be that. So we'll, we'll see what, what comes next. Um, okay, let's move on to Younger. And briefly, it's Love Actually. I saw some, we were talking, there was some discussion of this on Twitter. Yeah. Do you think we're supposed to actually care about the romantic possibilities of Liza and Asif Manvi? No, as charming as I find Asif Manvi yeah. in this role, and he's super, super charming. Mm-hmm. And I think he and Foster have a great deal of chemistry as well, and I really like that character. But no, I don't think we're supposed to see him as an alternative sort of thing. And I, 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 I really never felt that... Um, I never. I still don't really feel like Liza sees him as a yeah. viable alternative either. Um, yeah. So he... He is not he I don't think the show has ever positioned him as a serious roadblock in the way that they positioned Charles's wife as a roadblock yeah. because it's become just aggressively clear that the show is just like we have a big wall now mm-hmm. and it's in the shape of his wife mm-hmm. and but yeah no I never felt like Monvid was intended as a Charles alternative as good as that character is yeah and I mean his name is Jay <laughs> <laughs> you know like at least i just i think that's what i think no offense to any listener named jay but like in a, in a in a sitcom in a romantic comedy nobody is named the like last minute Ooh, maybe they'll go out with this person instead character jay so yeah um you know uh, like claire is at least a little bit more interesting you know um of a, of a name and because it comes with this whole irish thing for her um i think that i agree i think that the the rapport with them is terrific i think he's there so that she has a friend so that yes. she has a viable other person she could be dating and so that she realizes the intensity of her connection with and and feelings for charles right and that's it's a very functional role but yeah. it's one that's worked uh, well i'm a little leery about jay like responding poorly and then him becoming a villain of some sort. The only reason I'm leery about that is because they keep emphasizing that he's a dick <laughs> to, to not Liza. Cause he mm-hmm. still calls Charles Upchuck, which is clearly a really unfortunate nickname that he hates from college. Yeah. And uh, he says really rude and disrespectful stuff to Charles as well. So unless there's some like backstory that we are going to find out about, there's no like there's no reason to, no way to take that for me other than they're setting up that when he does backstab we look back and go oh i guess he wasn't that nice after all um right i'm kind of hoping they don't do that though because i really like this this just being a nice guy like because yeah. everybody who's found out previously has either been her active love interest and close friend or or close friend and uh or has, has backstabbed her as, yeah, you know, so I really hope that they don't continue with that. But I, I don't know. What do you think about that whole upchuck thing? Um, I mean, where did they go to school again? Because it just feels like Ivy League bro yeah. nonsense, yeah. and that's kind of what I chalked it up to is okay. Ivy League bro nonsense. Um, because that stuff, I generally, at least in the television sphere, just doesn't go away. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of where I've gone with it. Um. Yeah. And I, I would agree um, that they shouldn't turn him into an antagonist of sorts, um, just because I don't I I don't feel like that that would be particularly interesting. And 
Also, I feel like we are already hitting that sort of beat with um, Diane and her mm-hmm. husband. Her oh, married. boyfriend. Boyfriend. Okay. Physical, her yeah. boyfriend. Okay. Um, with, I forget his name. Um, <laughs> Again, Matthew Zickle is the actor and that's all I, I don't yeah. remember. And how that's been, that's played out, particularly in the back, back half of this. And I don't really need to see that repeated with a, I hid things and now I'm going to sort of manipulate you sort of, and I, I, I don't need to see that again. And mm-hmm. I especially don't need to see it in regards to Liza. Yeah. Do you think Liza is going to introduce Diana to Jay? That could work. Mm-hmm. It that would put work. Jay in an interesting moral quandary. It would. It would. Um, yeah, that could work. I, I mean, all see I... them, their energies working as well, but who knows? Yeah. All, all I really know is that I, I want Josh to go to Ireland and not come back. <laughs> yeah, they've been setting up the shotgun wedding thing, like, hard. Uh, yeah. These last couple episodes. So that's clearly what the finale is going to be. Um, I, do you think Claire is going to turn out to just have been gunning for a wedding this whole time? I mean, it wouldn't, like, surprise me. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I, I don't have enough of a sense of her as a character beyond, I have an Irish accent. And mm-hmm. that's not an Irish accent, but she has one. And that's about the extent of what I know about this woman. Yeah, and then she's also bad at googling what you should do when you've run rubbed your date's penis while still having oil from a red pepper on your hands. From a jalapeno. Yeah, she's not good at googling that. Apparently, these are the two things I know about her. (laughs) Yeah, Um, not nearly enough Maggie. God, what way too much Claire? What does she do? She's an artist. I know, but like. I don't. I, I want Maggie to do other things. Yeah, no, I want her to. I care way more about her love life than I do Josh's, and I wholeheartedly agree with you about that. Um, I I think that the the season started really strong, mm-hmm. and then built, and then has not known what to do with the last handful of episodes because they've been like noticeably weaker for me. Like, still fine, but not yeah. nearly as strong as the beginning of the season. And I, I talk a lot of that up to like the sheer weirdness of them, their introduction of Claire and how that has just sort of unfurled. Yeah. Because uh, it still just boggles my brain that she just went, I'm going to go to a pitch meeting and pitch a book to my husband's thing. Yeah. And it's just Oh, like, no, okay. not Claire. You, then you, oh. mean the, you mean the wife. Yeah. Wait, what's her name? I don't remember, but Claire's the girlfriend. Oh, I thought, I thought that was Claire's Claire. the Irish girlfriend. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, no, how they pitched... Charles's so, wife. Charles's wife. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that's worked better for me than it has yeah. for you. But but we'll see how they play it out. I just wanted to touch base on how you feel about the season. We'll do a little bit more on that one next week with the finale. Uh, I wanted to mention Leah Remini's show, uh, Leah Remini Scientology in the Aftermath, which is a uh, like an interview documentary series on A and E. And right. I heard about this obviously when it came out, and I have not read her book. But I, um, of course, was aware of Leah Remini's very public break with Scientology. And uh, as someone who has been following Operation Clambake since I was in high school, um, and my people that I knew thought I was a little over the top when I vehemently (laughs) called Scientology a cult back in high school, um, I appreciate... Was that a controversial position for you in high school? 
like they're like you'll just believe anything on the internet and like oh. no it's like no there's this website some serious stuff's like mm, yeah they're kooky but it's a religion like did you read battlefield earth because <laughs> i did i just get like vehemently angry when i'd go around places on campus at u of i and see stacks of like the the dianetics like survey thing and i just mm-hmm. pick up the entire stack and throw it out um but um anyway so anyway sorry so i have strong strong feelings about scientology um i never checked out her series because i felt like it's like it seems like you're kind of making this about you kind of cashing in on it a little bit is this like your new brand um but i had heard some positive buzz about it including on um over the the podcast tv podcast uh, extra hot great over from the people at previously.tv um so i was like i guess i should i guess i'll check it out um, and I really liked it. I thought it was really good. So I watched, um, I've, I've watched like four or five episodes this week. I watched mm-hmm. did a couple Ask Me Anythings. Um, okay. Uh, Reddit style where they answered questions from viewers of the show. Um, where, that's interspersed with interviews of other people. Yeah. I watched, uh, they did a double episode talking with different critics of Scientology. The one, I also watched an episode just purely about the bridge like the yeah, Scientology yeah, bridge. Yeah. And and so like as I was watching this, I thought it was one of the more recent episodes. Um, when I clicked on it, I got confused by the order. But um, I was like, that's interesting. I thought this was a show where like she interviewed former Scientology members. This seems like it's just telling you what Scientology is. And I realized, oh, no, <laughs> there's so much material here. They have an episode just about like the progression of like what the different stages of Scientology are. They which also, is good to have. Which is good. And then they, they have a whole other episode where they just talk about the transition to Miscavige, Ms. Miscavige, uh, the, the guy who runs the church now. Uh, I haven't had a chance to watch one, but they interview his dad. So Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I'm interested to check that one out. They talk, And then the, and then I also watched a couple episodes where they spoke with people who had left the church and what they had experienced, um, including the season premiere, which in, in, was entirely interviews with two women who were abused sexually abused as children in the church uh, of Scientology I say the church but note that is with heaping scorn on the usage of that term for Scientology um so so it was it was just profoundly affecting and I did not realize how much it would be just to because Remini who is a very strong presence but like a really warm supportive presence she her energy is I've been talking about that a lot today, but it, it works really, really well for this setting as someone who was in the church of Scientology for decades and grew up in it um, and then broke with it very publicly and has a lot of skepticism, uh, like skepticism and scorn. But you know that she also believed all this for a long time. Like it, it works really, really well to, to have her there. It, she's, she gets them to feel comfortable so they can talk and right. it just, the number of people who have stories to tell about their experience in Scientology, I think merits this kind of a show. And there's enough crazy stuff that, you know, goes on and went on in Scientology that you can do a whole series where you just, like, here's an ep- our episode where we just talk about, talk with reporters who have, have taken on the topic of Scientology and what that has meant for them. Here's an episode where we just talk about that. There's enough there's way more material and ground for them to cover than I would have thought. And the duo of Lee Remini and Mike Rinder, who was a high level Scientology guy um, for a long time, who also broke with the church um, as the hosts works really well. So I, I recommend it if you are at all interested in Scientology um, and you know, like the, the way it's 
like like what it has done and what it has um like its relationship with the press and with the public over the you know over the years and decades of its prominence at least in uh, in this particular sphere of pop culture um i think you'll be uh i, th I think you'll be interested in in checking out the show because i know it was much more interesting than i anticipated yeah i saw some um promos for this i think during I forget what i was watching uh but they were fairly common and I don't know why I didn't like think to record it because I thought about recording it, um, mm -hmm. but I never got around to it. But it's good to know that it's on uh, VOD, so I can like circle around to it. Yeah, yeah, you should you should be able to, to pull it up. Um, the um, again, it's just it's like because there's such crazy stuff. Like how how do you how do you not under how do you get drawn in? And they right. they're so humane and understanding of that because they were the hosts were um so it it really it's it's a, a a really affecting show without feeling exploitative um because it's giving people an opportunity to say what happened to them who were silenced for most of their lives um and certainly with something like the Church of Scientology, who are known for being litigious, who are known for harassing yes. and attacking anyone who speaks out against them, having that kind of a direct platform, um, I think is uh, is is potent, and it, it's a it, it's it's a uh, it has more weight because you know this is the kind of thing that wouldn't wouldn't have gotten on the air ten years ago. You know, this is these these stories wouldn't have gotten out. Not that long ago. So um, it's certainly uh, one that I look forward to going back and, and circling around to. There's only like eight episodes in the first season, nine if you include that like double long special they did. And then they're on episode like three or four of season two right now. So okay. it, it's certainly a super bingeable thing as long as you can take the intensity of people talking about what they experienced. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I would say if you're into that kind of a thing at all, check it out. Um, what I'm not into, and yet you did check it out, because I don't think you're into this either, but I look forward to your thoughts, is American Horror Story, and this season is cult, and right. it's set, like, now. Yes, it is. Um, part of the reason I checked this out is because this year we've had a string of discussing post-Trump television. Yeah. And this season was very much announced as... We're going to talk about politics, everyone. Mm -hmm. And it is like Paulson, Sarah Paulson is the lead and she is like, she's so deep in. She's so deep. <laughs> um, and Alice and Pill both play a married couple who have a young boy um, named Oz. And Paulson has a number, Paulson's character, I should say, has a number of phobias um, that she had under control prior to the election. And after the election, they all start sort of like ramping up much more. So most noticeably within the confines of the show, uh, the premiere, I should say, um, a phobia of clowns and a phobia of small holes clustered together. Mm -hmm. And both of these are like recognized phobias, clowns especially. Um, and the, the whole stuff is something I was like passingly familiar with. Um, but the, naturally the show really enjoys playing with things seeping out of those holes and scaring her um, because this is what the show is. Um, so the first episode is aggressively boring. <laughs> um, <laughs> is 
like I I should pre- I should have prefaced all of this by saying I haven't watched American Horror Story since like episode three or four of Murder House. And I was talking with a friend of the show, Corey Barker, about this, and he was also tickled by the fact that we've all agreed retroactively to refer to that as Murder House, um, <laughs> considering that the first season was just American, American Horror Story, um, that we've all just kind of agreed that it's okay to call it Murder House, um, whereas I call it Sad Masturbatory House. Well, yes, um, that too. Yeah, that too. There's at least uh, as much of that as the murdering, and there's lots of murdering. Right. <laughs> So, throughout the course of this episode, um, Paulson's character uh, believes she's being assaulted and stalked by people in clown uniforms. In fact, she goes to a Trader Joe's-esque supermarket. She's the only one there, aside from the cashier who uh, sports a MAGA baseball cap, naturally, uh, to set her on edge. At a Trader Joe's. Um, Yeah, no, I side-eyed that as well. Don't you worry. (laughs) Um, But then, like, she's shopping, and then there are clowns f***ing in the produce section. Why? I don't f***ing know. And then they're sort of, like, running after her with a knife at some point on a scooter. Mm -hmm. She's battling them off with bottles of rosé, naturally. Like you do. as you do, but also to like really reinforce her whole yuppiness of this character, who, by the way, voted for Jill Stein mm-hmm. and just, yeah, you're, you're seeing where they're going with all of this already. And then there's all this stuff with um, Evan Peters character who puts some Cheetos in a blender to like turn it into like dust and then applies it to his face and hands so that mm-hmm. he can be Trump-esque. Mm-hmm. And Billy Lord's playing his sister who is doing something and ends up as their nanny, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just really aggressively boring. And I, I kept trying to figure out where A, the cult aspect came in and B, where the political angle came in apart from window dressing to spur on the idea that Ryan Murphy just went, Oh, but I really wanted to talk about all the clown stuff that was happening last year. I, I guess this is the best way to do that. And I already did carnival or circus or wh- mm-hmm. whichever one it was. Freak so show, I can't yeah. really freak show. So I can't really do too much on clowns again, or can I, <laughs> by giving my character f- clown phobia problem solved. Uh-huh. And there's an element of maybe these clowns are going around killing people who are not pro Trump. Um, cause two, um, Asian people across the street from Paulson's, uh, character's house get murdered. And the little boy claims that they were murdered by clowns cause he saw them yeah. and just all this sort of stuff. And I, 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 I'm, I set to record the second episode and I immediately went, I'm probably going to cancel that recording cause I don't understand what I'm supposed to be scared of. And I don't understand what I'm supposed to be freaked out about. And I don't understand anything that's happening in this show which I think is supposed to be the reaction, but I don't think that this, that is the reaction I'm supposed to have in that I don't understand what's happening and I'm bored. Yeah, that's not what you want. Yeah. Yeah. So from, I would say from horror in general, but certainly not from American Horror Story. That's usually the thing that you can say with Ryan Murphy stuff is when it's when it's great, it's brilliant. And right. when it's not, it's at least not boring. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm just, I'm aggressively bored by a lot of what was happening, in part maybe because it was a lot of setup. It was a lot of setup. and But I was also just like, I don't understand why there were clowns f***ing in the produce section, Kate. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't know yeah. either. 
But I know not to watch it now. I wasn't gonna yeah. anyways, but that like you really weren't going to sure. anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I legitimately thought that maybe you would check it out because of our discussion of like yeah, no. post-Trump television. But you failed me, Kate. You failed me. No. Well, it's just, like my <laughs> love for that cast cannot overcome right my side eye at the topic. Like I, I went with Coven because that seemed like mm-hmm. a more grounded, at least starting off point. Um, but that like, because again, they get all these really terrific performers and they give them usually at least interesting things to play. But like, I don't know, I just, I just, I just couldn't do it again. Yeah. No, not after. Pulse just gets to be hysterical for most of this episode and yeah. it's good hysterical. I'm not knocking the hysterics, but yeah. it's literally the only level she gets to play in this premiere. And I just went, I know you're much better than this. I've seen you be much better than this. <laughs> In multiple things. Yeah, well, and sort of my feeling on it is, like, y'all keep cashing your paychecks. This is not a show for me. Yeah. I'm glad you're all getting money, though. <laughs> I'm glad that if it works for other people, good for them. At least I know, like, Kathy Bates has steady work, and Angela Bassett can, you know, actually get to do stuff on TV. Um, okay. Uh, speaking speaking of, weird of, shit. of weird, uh, Twin Peaks had its finale. Now, how much did you hear about this, Noel? Um, I basically couldn't be on Twitter the next day without hearing about it. Um, yeah. So I know like a bit and the degree to which I feel compelled to watch this is kind of low. Mm-hmm. So feel free to talk freely. Okay. Well, um, what I thought was interesting because I knew what went down on Twin Peaks before I watched it because I was working, I was teaching, I couldn't watch it live. Um, and so the the first episode, they did two episodes. The first episode wraps up several things with a nice tidy bow. Okay. Um, and then it gets weird. <laughs> um, right. And, and some stuff does get wrapped up. Some stuff does not get touched on at all. Audrey's not in these two episodes. Okay. So she got like three scenes and then she got a lot in the previous episode. But you don't know. I guess she's still in a coma? I'd... Yeah. That's was very strange to me the way that they ended with that character um but um then there's a lot of stuff with diane um a different version of diane because the version of diane we watched most of the season was a manufactured or like right. a construct and then then we get real diane who is actually the blind asian lady but it was she was disguised and it was really diane like there's it's hard to describe so I will say I appreciated the the direct specificity of the second to last episode. I like that they theoretically, it seems like, killed Bob. So like green glove guy, which I know doesn't mean anything to you, punched Bob to smithereens and he floated down to hell and then he came back up and they punched him again until he exploded into like shards and went off through the ceiling and evaporated or something um (laughs) there's so much that this show does not care about solving or answering um and like we never get an answer for what is that demon thingy that killed all the people in the first episode second episode at least i don't think we did um but i don't really care because you don't watch Twin Peaks for answers, at least I don't. You watch it for moments, you watch it for questions, and you watch it for performances and like directorial and for me, certainly scoring choices. Like like to see what they're gonna do. 
And yeah. it absolutely delivers on that. So like, I abs- I feel for the people who are really actively very frustrated and upset that we didn't get anything else with Audrey. Um, but I feel like we got our answers for the other characters already. We got, you know, kind of as much resolved as we were going to get at the double R. We got a really nice thing with for Lucy. Lucy shoots bad Cooper. So the the um the woman who's always at the front desk answering the phone shoots agent like the evil bad agent Cooper in the back before he can kill the sheriff. Um and cause she understands that it's not Cooper. Um and is is I love that they gave her the action beat. Yeah. Um now what is that is that is the show saying something else about violence and now she has killed someone and she is tainted? I don't know. I don't feel like it was saying that. I'm sure someone could make an excellent, excellent case that it is. Who knows? But for me, yay, Lucy killed the bad guy. And don't underestimate the the polite people, you know? Um, so there was a lot of of that kind of, like, smaller moments that were really satisfying. They, they let Andy have some moments to shine. They let Lucy have some moments to shine. They, you know, Robert Forster just being completely confused works great. <laughs> Cooper beating up jerks and deep frying their guns. Sure. Why not? That's sort of how I feel about Twin Peaks. And um, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to kind of live in that world and watch, you know, these performances. So when we get, I mean, the, the Kyle McLaughlin has been stellar all season um, playing these different, very different versions uh, of, or avatars maybe of, of Cooper, um, that's that's been a real delight to watch. But it's really all about Laura Dern for me. She's been amazing as Diane, um, and and even just see like centering so much around the FBI and and Miguel Ferrer. Like I'm so glad that they got all this stuff in the can while he was still with us. Um, he doesn't get much in these episodes, but it's been so much fun to watch that. Like Albert and um, and the uh, David Lynch character, um, so I yeah, just sort of living in this kind of weird space and going, huh? I have no idea what any of it means, but uh, that's interesting. <laughs> it's been sort of my experience throughout the the watch. I don't know. I might invite friend of the show, um, some of the friends of the show on to talk about. Yeah, Twin you Peaks, should. But I don't know what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> I was just well, like, yeah, that happened. I don't know what it means. I don't feel like I really want to try to come up with answers because I think that kind of misses the point. Well, and that's sort of the thing. Like, I saw a lot of folks getting frustrated about answers. And I immediately went, why do you want answers from a director and writer who is grounded in an art cinema tradition? That's, That's not what you go to him for. I mean, to your point, you go to you go for mood more than anything else, especially for me with Twin Peaks. It's very much a mood thing. Um, And especially in the first season, very much a lot of genre play, which I really enjoy. Um, But this idea that you're owed answers is hogwash. Um, Mm -hmm. And this idea that you're going to get some from a guy like David Lynch is just like, what show exactly were you watching? Because I wasn't watching it, and I knew you wouldn't get any answers. (laughs) 
but that's because I'm familiar with this sort of thing. And I don't say that to sound arrogant or anything. It's just like, it's David Lynch, guys. He replaced an actor with a tea kettle. I don't know what you're looking for exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will say I could just listen to Cheryl Lee scream like so much it's she's got such an amazing scream which is such a weird thing to say but it is a very specific skill set there's a reason yeah, they call james lee curtis the scream queen like not everyone right. can do it and there's she gets a couple like because they go like cooper travels back in time and theoretically prevents laura from ever being killed right. um and so then that sets us off on this whole other path uh, and then he and he wakes up in a different reality, maybe who knows, um, and goes and finds Cheryl Lee, but she says her name is Carrie. She doesn't know who Laura Palmer is, and he takes her back to Twin Peaks. Um, but then she hears her, like her like her mom, like Sarah Palmer, saying her name, and she just screams this like blood curdling scream, and it's just like goosebumps and it's amazing and it's haunting and who knows what it means but it's it's certainly interesting and i'll be thinking about it with some part of my my brain not to come up with an answer not to decide what i think happened but just to wonder at you know the the what that could say about this this show's interpretation of reality and of fate and of uh, the inevitability of doom um, and evil and the potential triumph of good. And then there's there's a lot that you can think about with this show. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the fun, I think. So uh, I, I enjoyed these episodes. It won't be like my number one show of the year or anything like that. Because mm -hmm. it, it feels kind of weird to compare it to other television because it's so not interested in what all television and storytelling is interested in um the stuff that actually gets made i should say and the mainstream cable and, and net broadband networks um so i don't know where it'll be on my list but i've enjoyed the journey yeah well i mean if you're feeling that way then you can't really put like transparent on your list since that's just a five-hour movie oh, God. we don't need to get into that oh just make nobody wants nobody wants to watch a five hour movie who's like ooh yay i it's like oh well i hear it's really good so i'm gonna take i'm gonna tackle this five hour movie is what people say i mean to be fair i did that like two weeks ago with a movie that was actually five hours yeah but we were like ooh a five hour movie were you like no i was not like, i was oh. just like i've i've been wanting to watch this movie since like i worked at blockbuster in the early aughts exactly and i did and then i went to go get dinner at a friend's house because it was a five-hour movie. <laughs> well, I was just saying, that nobody wants a five-hour movie. Nobody's like, no. oh, I can't wait for this five-hour movie. So why are you pitching your show as that? Yeah. And the movie, that movie also sort of judged me, I think, for watching a five-hour movie. <laughs> which, fuck you, movie, for being smug about making me watch you for five hours. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> okay, we need to I still on. liked it. But... Okay, okay. And <laughs> yeah, for but anyway. people, if, should they check it out? What was this movie called? It's called Until the End of the World, and no, you should not check it out. Okay, okay. Should it's we very check long, out, yeah. Uh, room 104's Voyeurs. The only thing I ha you, we have in our notes here is the like, ballet? 
and I'm intrigued. Did they do a ballet episode of Room 104? Yes. Yes, they did. There's virtually no dialogue in this episode. Uh, there's a little bit on like an answering machine uh-huh. and that's it. Um, so cleaning lady comes in and starts to clean, but then she starts like poking around, hence the voyeur aspect. Um, but then like as she's poking around, sort of interrogating this woman's lo- uh, this woman will say, because a woman wakes up in one of the beds um, significantly younger and um wakes up and they start interacting but only through dance they don't say anything and the the entirety of the episode is just a basically a 30 minute dance sequence of ballet um i ballet may not be a proper term for this uh, maybe interpretive dance it's it's modern is what it is um so that's the entirety of the episode is these two women communicating with one another about the room and the situation that both of them are in through dance and um the twist and this episode still has one is it good or is it stupid it's insanely predictable and you'll figure it out immediately okay well then just tell me they're the same woman um how about that (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, it takes them a while to get there, and there's they both have the same tattoo. Yeah. But the question becomes in the twist is that the cleaning lady disappears at the end. Ah, okay. Because you're expecting it to be the younger self that is. Yes. Okay. And so it becomes a question of who's imagining which, mm-hmm. and uh, is this a life that she's going to have that she never escapes from this room in a way, manner of speaking, mm-hmm. or does she see this playing out as a dream and realize that she can change the events that have brought her to this point type of thing. And it's really elegant. It's really well done as someone who has very limited experience, um, um, engaging with this sort of performative dance. Um, I think it's really compelling. I think it's probably their best episode. Um, and it speaks to, as we sort of discussed a little bit last week, the value of the show when they really do something very different, uh, which they sort of did last week with basically one actor talking for basically the entire run with another actor off screen on the phone. But this one is just completely different. And it's really, really good. And I I should have told you to watch it. I figured leaving the note of ballet oh, up question voice I was would have made you watch it. But there wasn't so I much Sailor Moon. I would have definitely yeah. watched it. Right. And I should have just been like, drop this one Sailor Moon episode so you can watch this. And had I known that that was like the situation you were in, I would have been like, here. Um, oh, I will be watching this. Don't worry. I can talk yeah. about next week. <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I very much want to hear what you think about this episode um, next week. Because while I was watching it, I just went, this is a Kate episode. They did a Kate episode. Oh, my God. I can't wait to hear what Kate says about this episode. Um, is literally what was happening like 15 minutes into the episode when I watched it. I just went, I want to know what Kate thinks about this. Okay. So Well, yeah. I will report back. Um, yeah. But I can tell you what I think of the bull type finale. Carrie's yes, right. tell me what you think about the bull type episode finale. The feels, the feels are All so strong. All the feels. Yes, because okay, so early in the episode, uh, they you can tell a couple of things. As soon as uh, Jane spots the woman with the weights, you know that that's going to be this that those are the weights of Carrie the weights, 
Um, when we find out that that is an uh, an art public art piece relating to uh, sexual assaults, um, then that's going to be the through line of her last piece of Scarlet. And when Jacqueline starts jumping down her throat about it, you know that Jacqueline is a survivor. And you you know that she's going to end up taking the weights. And yet when it happens, it's so yes. emotional. You see, yeah. you, you, it's, you see it coming a mile late, but it doesn't matter because Melora Hardin is so damn good, like in general, but in this episode. Yeah, no, it's a like it's aggressively telegraphed. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it just it does not matter at all. And that that speaks to a the fact that they've held this this topic back as long as they for their finale, um, potentially for their series finale, because Freeform still hasn't renewed this yet, um, which angry fish shaking um, <laughs> that you don't care because it's so well performed and it's there's such a strong buildup and. There's also just this element of the reaffirmation of this show's central tenets of female friendship, female support. All of this stuff gets just beautifully, wonderfully reinforced in this final episode that you don't care. And I certainly didn't care that it was just massively telegraphed all the way through. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. I mean, it's just like we've never seen Jacqueline this intense or angry or like, I need this on my desk now, Parker, sort of thing. Um, Until now, and you just immediately know. And it's a little weird that no one else figures it out. (laughs) But again, you you don't care. So it's really, really very, very good. And I just, I really loved how it all, how really elegantly it came together. And I really appreciated that. Well, and just the the power of someone in that position. Yes. Coming forward in that way. Yes. Um, I, I, I tweeted about this. I actually kind of wish they hadn't done the interview afterwards. Like, I can see why they did structurally. Yeah. But the... If they had just then cut to the next day and Jane is clearing out her debt, like finishing her piece, like that, I don't think we needed more. We certainly didn't need the, it wasn't about you, it was about me. Like, come yeah. on. We all come get on. it. We all get it. You know, just let the moment be. Um, but I I know, you know, a friend of the show, Elsa Shoemaker, was glad that they did that interview scene, like. Making it be an interview to round out the coverage of the live stream made sense. Uh, I liked where they ended everything with with Cat. I like where they ended everything with Sutton as well. Um, the <laughs> Jane walking out of Scarlet in a Scarlet dress a bit much, but yeah. sure, why not? Sure, why not? Why not? Uh, how, how did you feel about the rest of the episode? Um, so I, I felt sad about all the Alex stuff because mm-hmm. I really like Alex and I really like Alex and Sutton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, Kate, I shouted no in a Luke Skywalker-esque way at my, at my television screen when that elevator closed and I just went, no, because it's just like, <laughs> no, no, it's still not okay. I'm not comfortable with any of this. And we've gone through why it's not comfortable. And yeah, so meh. Um, just because you didn't get caught, yay, good for you guys. 
um, is my response. Um, and yeah, all the cat stuff is fine and good. Um, and I'm, it, it was just, it was a very strong finale is kind of where I came down on it. And I, and despite like our griping about how it would have been more interesting if Sutton had taken her not dream job, I still yeah. like what they're doing with it though, is the thing. Yeah. And like, it's even if some of the, like the things of oh, I I lost the dress I I lost the jewelry in the cab and just how all of that played out was bad, but I like that they're still sort of like making her sort of work for it. Yeah, and that makes up for the fact that it feels a little manufactured that she's in this position mm-hmm. um, based on her conversations leading up to applying for this. But I don't care because it it all ends up working really well for me as a narrative structure. Yeah. Well, and also just because it's the way it's set in their workplace, they're always working. Sutton is always yeah. working, which me and you don't see her spending money. Yeah. On anything, so I am more able to buy her in that role because the sense that no, she's just like slaving away. She is doing twelve hour days. Yeah, and that is why she is still keeping this. You know, able, that's why she has this job and has this position is that she's willing to work that and able to work that much more. Yeah, um, and that, that much harder and staying late to do the affordable versions of the popular trend piece. Um, calling back to her financial situation. So yes, uh, I like that there's that awareness of this with with the writing for Sutton, and we'll see if they get hopefully if they get a second season. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they keep with that or if they just, you know, if the show gets fuzzier about economics in its second season. It's already getting somewhat fuzzy, this notion that there's more money <laughs> at, a, at, like, a website. That's cute. Um, well, if it's there's very VC- well-funded, Noel. If they have VC money, then I kind of don't have issues believing that. I do. I have issues yeah. that anybody online is getting paid more than somebody in print. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you think that you think that an online just starting out website like that is gonna not just starting out, but pretty new is for gonna someone that's her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't, I don't really have an issue believing that. Yeah, huh. I mean, okay. I'm still hung up on Cat being Scarlet's social media director. So, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah. Um, if it is a series finale, yeah, I think it went out well, very well. Yes. Yeah. And it had a really strong first season. And only season if it only gets one season. Yeah, and I mean, if it gets a second season, I'm sort of, as we discussed a little bit, I'll be eager to see how long we stay at Insight mm-hmm. um, until she goes back to Scarlet. Sure. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, this was a really good season and a really good show that um, I think really threaded Freeform's brand needle really well without having to do sort of the the good stuff that Foster's does minus Foster's not great impulses sometimes to be like family melodrama in the bad sense of that mm-hmm. as they could sometimes become and the, a lot of reasons why I laughed that show while still being female-centric and still being really compelling television, um, but without having to necessarily make room for any sort of genre stuff, which I think Freeform hasn't quite figured out the best way to balance any of that just yet. 
And I think that this show is, like I said before, was a good way for them to really lock in a new brand. And hopefully, despite the terrible next days, that next day ratings, they do that. But we'll see. We'll see. Um, what was your week in TV? Uh, one Mississippi season two, which we'll discuss next week. Um, <laughs> I managed to watch all of it before we recorded, and it's very good. But um, of the stuff that we re- talked about, um, well, of everything, one Mississippi, of everything. Means- yeah, no, it's one Mississippi. Yeah, it's one Mississippi. Though really special, like very close mention to Room One Hundred Four this week because it was really, really good. Um, yeah, so one Mississippi this week, but I can't wait for you to watch it. I'm very eager to talk about it with you. Um, what won your week this week? Um, w- this week for me, this is top for you. I feel like. Yeah, uh, I think I take, I think I give it to the bold type. Okay, finale. cool. Um, it's sort of between that and Twin Peaks, and and you're the worst. Mm-hmm. But um, everything I watched kind of was really good. <laughs> <laughs> well, just like the they just strike in such different ways because yeah, Twin Peaks. Sure, it just it's like, huh? Like it. it it sort of deserves its own prize for just again being this other thing. Yeah. Um, but I got probably stronger feels from the bold type, so sure. I'll give it to the really, you know, typical easy answer, not the artsy answer. Let me give it mm. to the bold type. Um, uh, now we will take a break and come back with our Make You Watchathon segment on catastrophe and on Sailor Moon. We'll be right back after this. Hi, I'm Usagi Tsukino. I'm 14 years old and go to Juban Middle School. I'm a bit of a klutz and sometimes get teased for being a little emotional. A dangerous enemy has appeared. You're the only one who can defeat this enemy. You're the guardian that's been chosen for this mission. Moon Prism sex wolf in london when'd you go back thursday well i'll just write down my number you know what that's my work visa so if you doesn't matter great hey so great to hear from you i'm pregnant i don't understand you know we had sex right 25 times in a week and you wore calmed on maybe twice why did you let me do that and it only says rob because uh i don't know your surname it's norris mine's morris morris and norris well at least that's ridiculous 
you keep it? Uh, I don't know. Are you going to keep yours? I've already invested in them. They've got braces and stuff now. You should marry me. What? Aren't you supposed to fall in love first? Fewer arranged marriages end in divorce than real ones. Is that because they end in suicide? Mom, Dad, we've got something we'd like to tell you. We're getting married. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell us you were pregnant there for a minute. One funeral at a time here. I'm just worried that we're doing this because of the pregnancy. Can you, for a second, accept the fact that I like you and want to be with you? Are you American? Yes. Do you know Barack Obama? No, I don't. Are you a basketball player? No. I thought you someone special. I am special. What have I done with my life? When you go to work and you prod some snot-faced little kid into using his imagination instead of meth, that's massive. We don't really have meth here. You will one day. I keep getting very horny and very depressed at the exact same moment. But you have sex with me. Uh, but you're crying. It's fine. Well, I don't want to have sex with a crying woman. Really? No, I'll do it, but get it together. We're back with the Televerse, and it's six years, the end of six years here at the Televerse, and that means that it's time for another Make You Watch-a-thon. And, Noel, this, this time, last year, I made you watch RuPaul's Drag Race. And you yes. maybe watch uh, Chihara Furu. Um, now, this year, what did you make me watch? I made you watch Sailor Moon, but only the first 46 episodes. And not <laughs> even the whole 46. No, you were very courteous. I appreciated that. I, like, I, we were talking about about the show when I was early in my watch listeners. And I was saying, like, I don't get why they're so obsessed with fill in the blank. And he's like, why are you watching those? That's not on the list. I'm like, yeah, I, that's my bad. It's like, I told you to skip I those ones. <laughs> I said dealer's choice for anything I didn't mention everyone. And yeah. she she voluntarily watched a lot of the episodes that tend to start feeling a little the samey. Yeah. Which is that was my bad. Yeah. Don't you know, like you curated a list for me. Uh, when I stuck to the list it was better. Um so but why did you want uh me to watch Sailor Moon? What was it about like obviously when we were talking about Comic Con stuff I mentioned that I had never seen it. Um yeah. but why why did you pick this? Well, Sailor Moon's a show that um, I enjoy um, I, for all its flaws. I think it's a pretty fun show. Um, and it's a show that is sort of weird within my television history as well um, in that uh, it and Dragon Ball Z both aired on Toonami's Midnight Run back when Toonami had a Midnight Run. Um, and was not Adult Swim mm -hmm. and was also not a part of the Adult Swim programming block. It's all very confusing at this point. But is like, so it was just one of those. And but also, so I was used to watching it there, but it was also something that aired like in the afternoons for a lot of people I know. And a number of people I know, roughly my age, grew up sort of watching Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball Z, um, complete with their really terrible dubs. Um, at the time, I, I, I kind of regret the fact that the dub from the 90s is not available for you to watch because mm -hmm. uh, it's just uh, it's so good. And by so good, I mean, just really, really terrible. Um, and all the homoerotic subtext is stripped out. And by <laughs> subtext, I mean, literal text, um, <laughs> which is another reason why I, I wanted to, like, have you watch this is part of to see like uh, a gay representation of two 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 bad guys and mm -hmm. just like the sheer fun of that and that this was on a show that's for kids and 
aired in like the 90s and just how all of that sort of played out. And so, but then there's also just the fact that this is a show that I think is ended up being really influential. And we sort of like touched on that in our like off off air conversations about like, I mean, do you see anything with Buffy with this when, you know, Tuxedo Mask gets brainwashed and is kind of lurking around and helping. And then he goes bad and we got to save him. And I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit. And so these sorts of things. But basically, I felt like it was sort of a gap in which it's something we're all sort of vaguely aware of. But some of us just don't have just didn't watch it maybe so i that's that's the reason i made you watch it so with that in mind what did you think oh i thought it was fine (laughs) yeah yeah i was like okay it well okay this is not a kate show this is not no. a Kate show for for many reasons. I, I'm sure you knew this, picking it for yeah. me, uh, Noel. But um, I never was, nor had any interest in these girls. Yeah, this is not me. And I was when I was their age. I was reading books and playing board games and like being a nerd and staying after school for all the clubs, uh, which they some they do somewhat of that. But they're all like. The way they get their superpowers is they say makeup and then their Mm -hmm. nails sparkle. Like, it's not me. It's not any of my friends. It's not how I, like, they're all mooning over guys and having. Well, almost all of them are mooning over guys. Mercury kind of gets one at the end when they remember. (laughs) Yeah. But it's just like, I, so, so it's just not something I can relate to. Sure. In any way. Um, so so there, it, the, the idea of it capturing a time in, uh, in development in life and at a certain age and the relationships you have at that age just doesn't speak to my experience at all. Um, but right. I did find I that... I should point out that it doesn't speak to any of my experience. Well, yes, that's... Either. Yes, <laughs> yes. I would assume. Unless there's yeah. a whole other backstory, which we need to have some, some, some beverages to talk about another time. But, um, I will say like, like, to, like when they're freaking out about some of these different things, I'm just like, Ugh, okay, just, just why did you crying that you can't buy this bracelet? You're just, Oh God, this would be, this is too much. Like that, that's my reaction to that personality type and that that thing so it just there's there was a hurdle for me i will say Mm -hmm. though that after a certain number of episodes there was a level of endearment to the characters and and some charm to that as well where you you get a sense of of who they are and like oh that's very usagi um and so the as it went along and certainly as they added more characters that helped which is the big reason I told you to basically skip, skip the opening, <laughs> the beginning. skip the, like that first eight episodes and just go from the premiere to when Ami shows up and then kind of do a couple and then just skip right to Mars showing up since then you actually have a foil. Yeah. <laughs> which they needed. Um, but like, even like I couldn't enjoy the Luna episode because the arc they give Luna is just, she likes a boy now. And like, that's, that's it. That's like, Come on. Like, that's the only thing you can come up with 
to give Luna in her standalone episode where we go off on a cat adventure is Mm -hmm. a cat likes her and that cat has one of the shards, you know, like, and that's, it's just so, for me, very, very limited and its imagination and its scope. So, so I struggled with that. However, I did think it got uh, it, it got to be quite charming. I liked the I, I I sort of embraced the formula after a while, um, of uh you know like which wacky adventure they're gonna get into this time. I thought it was the right level of campy and silly and ridiculous with the different villain like the, <laughs> they go to this hair salon and stuff like yeah like there's a lot of uh, creativity and fun there. Um, yeah. it's, it's very much, ah, I'm not going to kill you this time, but I could, but I'm not gonna like, there's, again, there's a charm to that. And so I ended up having fun with it. And I certainly am glad to have a much stronger sense of the cultural touch point of, of this series. Um, the, 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 the different threads, I was very surprised when they revealed the, oh, she's the princess and Tuxedo Mask is, is her long lost love and everything like they revealed that a lot earlier than I was expecting because I didn't mm-hmm. necessarily see, oh, and now he'll be evil twist coming. Um, yeah. I have a very strong, <laughs> very strong memory of watching my brothers play the Zelda games because I'm terrible sure. at video games, but I liked watching them, uh, mm-hmm. watching my brothers play them. Um, and the, my brother, one of my brothers getting to the end of, I want to say it was... Um, Link to the past, maybe? The one that has... Oh, Ocarina of Time. Okay. And at the end of Ocarina of Time, as I recall, unless I'm confusing with another game, the weight, the, the big prize is you get to go back and be a child again. And my brothers are so mad. They're like, you're telling me you spent all this time leveling up, getting all these cool powers, getting this awesome sword. I get this Ocarina. I can travel to time. I can do whatever I want. I'm like, badass now. Oh, congratulations. You win. Lose all your abilities and go become a child again. <laughs> and so when that is the ending of the season, I just, and you know, they're going to undo it so they can have another adventure. But yes, like, they do. I, it was, it just, and there is more Sailor Scouts, including... Two ladies who love each other. Oh, yay. That's good. Yeah. Um, so so that when I got to the end of it, I was like, oh, that's too perfect. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> um, but I did think that they pulled that off uh, mm-hmm. they in, do. A, in a way that, that really works. Um, it's hard to have that not feel like a cop-out. Yeah. Um, and, and I thought they really did deliver with that. I enjoyed some of the dynamic. I just, they have to make Sailor Mars be in love with the Tuxedo Mask, too. Like... Way too much of the time was spent on that, as far as I'm yes. concerned. Especially when you know one of the characters is their capital CEO, chosen one, to use Buffy Buffy parlance. Um, and they're the star-crossed lovers, and you just get to watch... Us. Literally star-crossed in Literally, this case. yeah. <laughs> so I just had to watch Sailor Mars, um, who, of course, I enjoyed quite a bit. Right. Um, just stand over there, moon over someone who doesn't care about her, and she doesn't... It takes one of her friends being like... Are you still going to do that? You should stop doing that. Well, it's the last episode of the season. Or, like, or not episode of the season, but, like, right before he dies. It's like, I guess I should probably stop. Okay. All done now. Like, why? Why? <laughs> I also did not appreciate the, you should just like this guy because he's nice and he tries hard. So the fact that you have no feelings for him doesn't matter. Sublimate that and go out on a date with him anyways because he was nice. Which is like a whole episode. Yeah. Um, so there's some of that stuff, but it's very of its time. Um, yes. In that way. 
Well, I mean, one of the things to remember is like this is very much of its genre as well. Like this was um, published in Nakayoshi, which is a shoujo manga, and shoujo um, is less of a genre and more of age demographic. It's just come to become in a lot of ways like shonen um, to mean a genre. And this is very much targeted at girls roughly the age from 8 to 14 mm-hmm. is what you're, is who the magazine is targeting. And that's who the show is targeting. And like a lot of the thing, things to like kind of note is like the manga is significantly less action driven. Uh-huh. Um, and so like they added a bunch of stuff to like make sure that the uh, the anime had a lot more action in it. And I mean, when you're going to spend that much money on doing that many magical girl transformation sequences, A, you're always going to show them. Mm-hmm. And B, <laughs> you these are the most expensive parts of the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're going to do them. And they're the spectacle of the show because the fight scenes, not great. Mm-hmm. Not great because they're basically we're going to use our one power and we're going to destroy the monster and Usagi's going to run away. Yeah. Until she can throw her tiara. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I had trouble with I like how I'm just starting with all the things I had trouble with because um, I did overall no, okay. have a positive you know experience watching it, but um, yeah, it just was all so incredibly boy crazy, which I know yes. speaks to. A certain demographic and a certain percentage of of people, but it just I just right. kept waiting for them to have other interests, and they don't. No. And that's I mean, it's... and that's okay because not everybody does uh, at that age or at any age. Um, you know, depending on each person. I, I think they built the mythology well, but it just took a while for me, and I think I also took a while to climatize to its tone. And its approach, and to start appreciating the cheese, and it's the same transformation scene again, <laughs> you know. But Which... that's that's half the fun, and I love all the transformation sequences. So. Yes. So, so again, like I said, this is just not a Kate show, and that's okay. Um, yeah. But I do feel like I can appreciate it a little bit more. I like some of these episodes, like the episode about the anime where they're talking about, like the <sighs> anime teacher. That episode is so good. Is talking about um, like the art. Like, mm-hmm. see, this line, his leg isn't telling a story. So what you're saying is draw her sexy. And he's like, well, that's not at all what I meant. That's exactly what he meant. Um, and yet, everybody's in bikinis. So, like, I feel like they're trying to, like, there's a lot of villains that are just wearing barely yeah. any clothes. Uh, and not to mention how insanely short the, the sailor skirts are because of course they're short and they start at their waist so that means they're barely covering their crotch um and these are the things that i think about since my mom sews a bunch of stuff so like i'm like i'm like seeing the cosplay in my head like as i'm watching it it's like you couldn't wear that anywhere um but i think that the the camera doesn't leer at them in the in the way that other animes do um so that's more of a my that was me yeah. bringing stuff to it rather than that's what the enemy is. But I feel like it's something that they would know that the audience was going to. Like, how could you not? Yeah. That being said, I did appreciate that very much the hammer does not leer at them. So I could see how this is an, and it was an empowering set of, of heroines for a lot of uh, kids growing up. Um, yeah. So so it was an interesting kind of blend of, of things. Um, and... I guess I just, I wanted, I appreciated more the episodes that had more weight or had more direct 
commentary and comedy to them. Those yeah. are the ones that I enjoyed the most. Yeah, and that's that's totally understandable. Like, um, for me, like going back and rewatching this because I'm intimately familiar with the um, Jedi uh, arc, which is the first thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, poor Jedi. Poor, poor, sweet jadeite. Um, I've seen that arc like a gazillion times, and then the rest of it I've seen like at least two or three times. And but then going through and watching it again to a make sure that my guide was going to work out okay. I, I one of the things I was really struck by watching again was like how really good the Nephrite arc is, mm-hmm. um, just from a monster design standpoint. Like the monsters in Nephrite's um, arc are just deliciously good. I mean, just I, I made sure to include this one because I, I just really love the design of the fairy tale wood doll princess one. Yeah. It's just really yeah. super fucking creepy. Very creepy. And that's the kind of the thing that continues through a lot of the Nephrite is that a lot of his monsters are way creepier than the Jedi. And then the Zoocyte monsters go back to like being boring weird sort of bikini wearing one piece sort of monsters that just kind of look like squiggles sometimes and don't really feel with a personality basically. Mm -hmm. And you can see like they got into a groove and then they were just like, we're running out of money and time (laughs) (laughs) Um, to like get through the rest of the season. Um, Yeah. So no, I totally understand where you're coming from. And a lot of this is also just, also just like cultural as well in terms of, expectations of what a young lady is supposed to be even if there are different representations of what the feminine feminine um roles within the show are still presented Mm -hmm. but they're always tied in a particular area of boy craziness or of um whatchamacallit of basically that sort of a heteronormative sort of attachment to things is what drives this initial group. Again, uh, Sailor Moon R, we get, um, gosh, it's, I want to say it's Uranus and Neptune or Neptune and Pluto. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. Um, challenge that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, significantly. Um, to the point where the original dub is like they're cousins um, but also, like, in the original dub, Zoocyte's a woman. So that and that whole thing is a little more acceptable yeah. um, to American audiences. Um, but I'm glad you watched it, and I'm glad, like, you managed to engage it on some levels. And I'm glad, that, like, it's part of the reason why, like, I gave you the guide, especially for, like, the end, is I knew that those episodes got a little plottier, mm-hmm. and I knew that those episodes also had m- more interactions with amongst the scouts um which is really it's those first seven episodes are just such a slog because it's usagi yelling at luna the entire time and Mm -hmm. it's just like there's nothing going on here dramatically whatsoever and Mm -hmm. as soon as like you said as soon as other characters start getting introduced and as soon as they get to like talk to one another the show gets significantly better to the point where like i'd kind of forgotten how much like that final episode hits me when they all start dying. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, uh, wait, what, what? No. And it's just like, Oh, we're all going to do all these sacrifices. This is, this is a little dark. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when you remember they're all like, they all say this, the dub says that they're 14, but it says they're in middle school. So, which, okay. I have to mention it Mm. is 
fucking creepy that they have 14 year olds, eighth graders. I teach eighth graders. I know what that looks like. I know what that sounds like. I, yeah, I work with eighth graders every, like every week and they have eighth graders chasing after and, um, being like being in reciprocal romantic relationships with adults. That is creepy and not okay and if you when you go oh well he's in college like say that he's in put him in high school this is yeah. they're older and they seem cool and they can be like a crush thing but then they can still be their star-crossed romance or whatever but like they got teachers they got young girls in romantic relationships with teachers and it's presented as good like the show's overall like, the character's boy craziness is presented, for me at least, very much as that's these characters, not yeah. that's all women. Um, yeah. It's very much a function of, of who these these characters are. But the show absolutely is on board with uh, these different characters uh, chasing after Mr. Fill-in-the-blank. Yeah. <sighs> no. It's gross, and I don't like it, and it's not okay. Yeah, and a lot of that um, is sort of baked in in a lot of ways um, to the genre um, and to the stories that get told for the most part. Um, and Stephen like, there's a, ser- there's a series I considered uh, one of the series I consider you having to watch, and I may still like bring it on as a DVD shelf because um, uh-huh. I have someone who I know would love to come on. Is Onisama E, um, which deals with a She's in high school, um, but he was like her cram school teacher. Um, but she writes she writes letters to him, calling him um, Big Brother. And I mean, this is just like kind of like part and parcel of the sort of cultural cachet of some of these um, stories and how they're told. Um, it's less common now than it was um, when these were being written in the seventies, eighties, and nineties. Um, so comfort in that yeah but yes. gross yeah no it's it's deeply uncomfortable especially when you realize that they're in college because it's not super clear immediately yeah what age or group they're in especially like the guy who works at the arcade and mm-hmm. then um um, Sexy Mom, Mask, uh, um yeah you're not yeah. entirely sure chiba uh yeah. where age-wise exactly where they are apart from they apparently just have a lot of free time and Mm -hmm. have a part-time job Mm -hmm. um but you don't quite know and then they're just like we're in college we have our own apartments and it's just like oh yeah this is a little and why are you dating the girl who lives at the shrine again (laughs) yeah yeah not not cool some things I did like, though, that I wanted to yeah. mention, little sure. you know, cl- cl- closing details here. I very much enjoyed that all the evil characters or possessed characters had slightly yellow eyes. Yes. That's fun. Um, it really helped to keep things straight. Like, clear. Like, clear yeah. of, like, who is, you know, what. Uh, I need to ask you, why does Sailor Venus look just like Sailor Moon? Is Did I miss something? Is there a reason that she looks just like her? They wait so long to integrate Sailor Venus. And, and it happens like that. It happens like that. And her backstory is just done poorly. And Artemis's role, I mean, all of it gets really minimized. Um, and there's not really a reason um, that I can think of off the top of my head. I'd have to go like back and look. It's been so long since I've even read the manga. 
in any way, shape, or form. But no, there's not really a reason. Um, the main it's distracting. Thing, right. Well, the main thing is like you're supposed to sort of it's at the very least it's supposed to be a misdirect mm-hmm. because you're supposed to think that she's right. Sailor Venus's Princess Serenity. Yeah. Um, and not obviously Usagi, even mm-hmm. though. Very clearly, <laughs> she's Sailor Moon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't really get much clearer, but I think she's intended as a misdirect. But yeah, she just comes way too late, especially for a character that's supposed has a video game and an anime and is supposed to be like this badass crime fighter. Mm-hmm. She's very badass. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then the last thing I'll mention is I did really enjoy a lot of the scoring choices. Um, I like that the there's like one of the stings they go to a bunch is ha- is basically the start of the Bakhtakata uh yeah. and yes. fugue. Um I liked the little thing they use for tuxedo mask with like the mm-hmm. maracas or whatever. The type thing. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, not with the the castanets. Castanets. Yeah. Um and just some of these other like I thought that the the melody that they have, which is the theme song, but then coming out of the locket or whatever, worked very nicely both in the uh more energetic theme song, but also later slowed down. Um so so while it's very repetitive, which is to be expected, um, they use these same things over and over again. They don't necessarily develop them. I did like it's so cheesy and fun. Every time Tuxedo Mask shows up, you hear castanets. <laughs> like, yeah. It's ridiculous, but it's it's the right kind of ridiculous. So I wanted to th- give some love out to that. Um, any final thoughts from you on Sailor Moon? Uh, I love that Tuxedo Mask. It's like one of the best musical like bits. Mm-hmm. But then he's just so f-ing useless. <laughs> yeah. Here's a rose. Believe in yourself. I'm done. Well, but he <laughs> does end up saving her, if only through right. distracting. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't. It's unclear what he actually like does. Because she throws her tiara. That's what she does. That's her thing. Um, yeah. He doesn't necessarily have a thing other than he can fly, I guess, sort of. He he throws roses, and those roses have, like, some supernatural ability in them. But still. Still. Uh, I, but but, I, but the, the, the timing of it, the way they do it, 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 it initially it's frustrating for me. It yeah. was. But then once you get the hang of it, it was super fun. Yeah, it's silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's pivot over to our other show, and that is Catastrophe. Right. Um, so the reason I picked this one, I, I toyed with several others, but mm-hmm. the, I ended up going with Catastrophe as I wanted one that um, that I thought was very good, that okay. I knew you hadn't seen, that I thought okay. you wouldn't seek out on your own, and yeah. that has more coming so that when it comes back, we can talk about it theoretically if you enjoyed it and want to keep up with it. Um, also... Carrie Fisher, um, and um, and and last, just because it seemed like it, it's just one of those shows that for me I think gets too lost in the shuffle yeah. of these shows of a similar tone. Like every time people talk about Fleabag, I want to be like, okay, yes, but Catastrophe, because I'm way more interested in Catastrophe than I am in, in Fleabag, which I know is blasphemy to some but um that's why i ended up going with catastrophe it's not necessarily my favorite show you know the past however many years but it's one that i that i certainly enjoy and i wanted to get your take on so what did you end up thinking of catastrophe seasons one through three i'd rather watch fleabag um (laughs) (laughs) no 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 um that's harsher but because you introduced it that was just too perfect you teed it up and i just went that's fine no 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 um Catastrophe was very much sort of 
diminishing returns for me. Okay. And that I think this first season is really, 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 really good. And I really respond to like their navigation of their relationship and how all this is going to work and if it's going to work. And I, I, I really responded to both um, Shannon Hogarth and Sharon Hogarth. Yeah, Sharon Gosh. Hogarth. Uh, Horgan and Horgan, yeah. Rob Delaney's performances and their chemistry and the way that they both sort of very easily accepted one another, their characters as well, very easily just accepted one another. And I really appreciated all of that. And I liked how all of that played out. And then we get a time skip for season two. And I'm just like, what, but wait, you just skipped over like a massive amount of emotional stuff. And I need you to deal with that. And then you kind of do, but then you kind of don't. And then I'm just like, oh, okay, that's what we're going to do. And I'm, I'm like, okay. And then by the third season, which I think is good, um, but it also just increasingly feels like we're trying to sort of find things to become suspicious about or about within this relationship. So the morning after pill stuff, um, even though that gets resolved really quickly, it's also just like, why can't either of you just have a conversation mm. right now, please, for the love of God. And so it just kind of kept getting diminished, even if I sort of liked sort of the subtler aspects of Rob's alcoholism coming back. And I liked how he finally acknowledges that, um, even if it comes in a an overly sort of way of just like, just say that you shouldn't be driving again, this sort of thing. If you just sort of communicate again, I would be happier type of thing. And um, so I liked it. I liked it a lot in like the first season, but then I just kind of kept waiting for it to hit a new gear. And I never really felt like it hit a new gear for me. And that was really frustrating. And then, the only other like kind of hangups I had were the fact that the supporting cast is a really good, but B just significantly underutilized in a lot of ways. And that was really, really frustrating, especially in the third season when I'm responding to like, um, is it Mark Bonar who plays Chris? Guy with um, the vape pen. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Is fantastic. And even though they're roughly the same age, he's what I thought a older Simon Pegg would look like. Mm -hmm. But they're actually the same age and that's really weird to me. <laughs> um, and the, the the cast just kind of flits in and out in a way that I, supporting cast that I just sort of like struggled with and their stories were supposed to sometimes sync up thematically and that never really felt coherent to me. And yeah, and the only other thing I'll say is that a lot of this also just felt like I never really bought some of the larger stakes of like their economic situation because I never really felt like he wasn't ever not going to go back to that job. And that, that was really frustrating because then it just became, well, we're just doing rich white people problems in London. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of went, okay. But the thing is, is like, all of that goodwill I built up over the course of the first season carried me through the other two seasons. Like, I loved how sort of deliciously open about sex this show was in terms of how they talk to one another about sex. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that. And I really liked how 
sometimes their sex drives weren't in sync with one another and how that would cause a little bit of conflict for two people where sex is very important to both of them and how that factored into their relationship. So I really liked how that played into this. Um, Let's see what else. I was really disappointed when we met Fran and uh, Chris's son, because I was just hoping for a Maris sort of situation, which Uh he never appears. Um, But uh, I was okay once he did appear. I was just like, I just want to keep hearing about this kid's career secondhand, and it's <laughs> going to be fantastic. But I loved all the stuff. Like, he's hanging out with Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, and it's just like, this is lovely. I'm very <laughs> excited for all of this. Um, so, yeah, diminishing returns, I think, for me. Um, but that first season, like, carried me through a lot of it, but also, like, Delaney and Hogan's performances really carried me through a lot of it as well because they're both so good. Like, it's kind of disgusting how good they are on this show. And that, I think, really helped me a lot as well. So I really liked it overall. Mm -hmm. But by the time I finished season three, I was just like, I'm glad I don't have a season four to watch immediately was kind of where I ended up. Um, So, And you hadn't seen season three, so sort of talk to me about your relationship with the show uh what uh really what you what you really responded to with it and then uh more so what you thought about like season three as well since that was fresh for you yeah um well i agree about the strengths of the show absolutely and it's it's that central dynamic and they're they're so good individually but they're also really good together so good together yeah (laughs) and it just it's it's like coach and mrs coach levels of comfortable together and making sense you know, and also still not always fitting perfectly because they're individual people, especially people starting their lives together so much later in life after they're very used to being their own people and yes. not being a unit. Um, I would say uh, I I liked the jump between mm-hmm. seasons one and two time jump. I I was pleasantly surprised by that. Um, and the the family stuff. Um, for Sharon's character, Sharon Horgan's character in, in season two worked for me. Um, but mm-hmm. for, I think I, I, I liked the season three, uh, arc with, uh, Rob's, uh, drinking much yes. more. It sounds like it was much more successful for me than it was for you. No, no, no. I really liked that. Um, I, I, no, I really appreciated how subtle it was. I didn't really need the, um, uh, whatever his friend who's the attic. Yeah is I didn't need that as like a complimentary contrast type of thing because mm-hmm. it wasn't necessary. Like I was perfectly okay with what I was being given. Sorry. But no, it's please. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, but I really liked it. I liked the, everything that we got with Chris and like the way that was played, just like him, him rescinding, asking them to take yeah. the kid, you know, like that kind of stuff. Uh, in, in such a subtle, in the way it's delivered too, the way it's written, but also the way it's delivered is such a subtle, powerful, potent thing. Like that's, that's huge. That means this guy doesn't trust his best friend with his yeah. kid. Um, that means we should be much more worried than the show is wanting us to be. Right. Um, which I thought was good. I also, uh, and, and like for me at the end, I totally bought that, that Rob is, the kind of person who would tell himself, well, what am I going to like? I, I, it'll be fine. And I also like that they very specifically show that it is not his fault. He does not cause the accident. Yes. Yeah. Um, and like the, the, I like the specifics of that. Um, but 
yeah, obviously he shouldn't have been drinking and he certainly should not have been behind the wheel, but to admit that he shouldn't have been behind the wheel, even after going to a meeting recently was not something that he was willing to do. And so then that's going to theoretically catapult the next season. Uh, I'm so, so extra. Like, it was as if we weren't sad enough about Carrie Fisher passing. Right? So extra sad that now she's not going to be there for season four. Because you know they would have had so much great stuff for her. They, like, she yeah. would have had a huge part in season four if she was still with us. Yeah, no, it would have been huge and it would have been like deeply, deeply powerful. Like, I yeah. really do feel like they were gearing up to do this. Yeah. Having her, her move there and and like the one scene we do get with her and and yeah. Rob uh, are, is just it's so potent and so good because she doesn't like Sharon at yeah. all. But yeah. like it was, oh, man, that was going to be great. It was going to yeah, be another great performance opportunity for Carrie Fisher. So ugh. makes me heart sad. <laughs> it makes my heart sad. And it also makes my heart sad because like, I really liked <laughs> the energy between Carrie Fisher and the woman who plays um, Sharon's mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she lasts like a week and then she had to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. It was just, but I, I like the fact that she, like Sharon's mom latches onto Rob's mom uh-huh. and it's just like, yeah, no, she, I, I really like having her around. And it's just like, this is so good. This is so good. <laughs> yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, yeah, because the pretty much everything works for me in this new season. I will say maybe it doesn't have the spark of freshness that the first season does. Yeah. But um, it also might be just that I didn't come off of seeing one and two for the first time right before right. watching three. So I had a gap and I got to sort of revisit and remember these characters as I started season three. So maybe that was some of it as well. Um, yeah. 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 I, I do think the way I, I watched it, which was basically over the course of a week, because I was just like, I'll do three episodes a day. And mm-hmm. I was just like, done. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, <laughs> it's a picked, really easy watch. It's a super, super easy watch. And sometimes I would do four depending on like what else I had to watch that week or what else I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's a super easy watch. And I think that one of the other things is like, it's also just, I, I think it, I think it matters a lot that the show is like all the episodes are written by Delaney and Hogarth and they're all directed by the same guy too. And I think that makes a big difference in terms of like the, the, the quality of the show and the consistency of the show. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, even if I do feel like, by my manner of watching it, it sort of like steadily sort of felt diminishing. It was more so like my engagement with them. And I should have probably paced this out a bit better. And that's on me. But the overall quality of the show never flags, I think, Mm -hmm. in terms of its execution or its ability to land moments like Chris being like, you're not going to be the godparents to my child. No. Or like Rob confessing that he's been drinking again to his mom it was like those moments just hit really hard and i think a lot of that has to do with how lived in everyone is with this Mm -hmm. and that makes a huge difference yeah and how how sarcastic and and funny other like just the the overall like the banter between the characters Mm -hmm. um has uh an acerbic edge to it that then 
when things do get serious for a moment. Yeah. And like, and not just the central couple, but pretty much all their friends too, because of their personalities. I, yeah. I also like that the show doesn't back away from what that means when you have two people with the, with that personality together, right. you, you get a lot of really funny stuff, but then if things get bitter or angry, it turns really fast yeah. and it escalates quickly. And that, but they do still care about each other. So it doesn't turn into always sunny or anything. But but I like that I like that they keep it that it's not just oh like like a like a Mr. Co- like a Dr. Cox thing where they're jerks to everybody else but like have no relationship problems themselves right. like it feels it feels more organic than that and I appreciate that. Um okay, any final catastrophe thoughts? Um just that I really feel like Mark Boner is sort of like the standout for me in a lot of ways. I mean mm-hmm. Um, Horgan and Delaney are both just really good, but when you were talking about like the the show's wit, but also its ability to turn on the dime, like I kept going back to like Bonar's like bone dry delivery of things, yeah. and it's just like half the time I'm not sure if Chris is joking or being serious, mm-hmm. and I just went, oh, "That's me. That's me with people who don't haven't interacted with me <laughs> for an extended period of time, and they can't quite tell what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I, I really like, but it's also just like, he's just so dry, but you learn through the rhythms of the show when he is being an asshole and when he's like being legitimately you're being the asshole right now it's not me this time it's it's you <laughs> yeah and i i just i really liked that um yeah so yeah i just bonar was for me the like kind of like the surprise sort of thing in this yeah well i'm glad that you that you had some fun with it and uh certainly got to experience mr vape pen <laughs> like, <laughs> it's my image i can't picture him without yeah. Without his vape pen. Um, would you recommend it to other people? Would you say that our listeners yeah. should check it out? Yeah, no, I would absolutely recommend this. Um, I think for uh, definitely if, if you're listening to this, um, then I would encourage <laughs> if you're you. Still listening yeah, if you're still podcast. listening, uh, you should probably watch this, even though we've spoiled like 80 different plot points at this point. Uh, but it's also one of those things where I can't think of like. I can think of like maybe two people like I know like in person that I would recommend this to Mm -hmm. Um, just because it's got a very specific kind of rhythm to it. Yeah. This is one of those ones that is not in the center of the Venn diagram (laughs) between myself and my parents. But Sailor Moon is so good for you. Good for you and your family. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it really, really isn't. Um, A few show notes here at the end of the podcast. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, which is the website for the podcast. You can leave us a comment there and let us know what you thought of the week's TV, what you think of Sailor Moon, what you think of Catastrophe, any of these other issues, what you think of the Marvel Cinematic Universe and your ranking. I want to hear your ranking. Please post it there. Um, Please, you can... And feel free to yell at me about Ultron. Yeah. Because apparently I'm wrong about You're that. You're so I don't think wrong. I am. But, You're so yeah. very wrong. That's okay, but though. I get, I get Winter Soldier correct, and yeah, that's well, what matters. Yes, that's, I, we're, you know, we're, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you on that one. Okay. Um, you can also find us um, in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. You can find us in Stitcher. We would appreciate ratings and reviews both places. It helps other people find the show. Let's know, you know, that people are listening which we appreciate. Um, you can also f- like our Facebook page, start up a conversation there or email us at televerse at gmail.com. And we are both on Twitter. I am at the televerse and Noel, you are at Noel RK. And that wraps up our make you watch a thon. 
happy anniversary, Nolan. It's not your anniversary, but no. it's the show's My anniversary. anniversary. Is in a few months. And I'm yeah, your anniversary is coming up. But I feel like I feel like you get multiple. You you are grandfathered into this anniversary as well. <laughs> you get multiple anniversaries. Yay! Yay! More digital cake and pie and all those good things. That's cake, a conver- that's pie. an argument for another time. Okay, what have I done? I've I've, re- I've opened reopened an old wound. I better call it there. So, <laughs> thank you, Noel, as ever. Thank you for being my podcast partner, and thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.